0: Justin Arnold Football Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Miles. With me and will always be with me is my producer, Kyle Bennett. Kyle, what a great first episode. What a great response we got from everybody. What a wild
1: outpour from the people.
0: We got to let everybody know we really appreciate it. Uh, If you could continue to start leaving five stars and some reviews, I would greatly appreciate it. You know, Kyle and I are just here to talk football. That's as simple as what it is. I love interaction on Twitter. I love people disagreeing with me. I, I I live for the civil debates. At least we can express our opinions and we wanted to make this an interactive football podcast and just go down a bunch of the news, give our opinions on it. Wanted you guys to actually listen to the show and then give us interaction back about how you feel. So we're just two guys talking football. That's it. That's Ryan, what we're I'm here my, for. Yeah. Not ta- not here to actually like know it all. Not here to act like we know it all just talking football. Uh I'm wrong. There's times where I'm going to be wrong. Like, we can already go over that. We're going to make a segment on when I'm wrong and when I'm right. But, I mean, we were wrong about Tom Brady. Nobody saw that coming.
1: Nobody saw that one coming.
0: But, yeah, so, again, thank you guys for reaching out, enjoying the show, and we hope to give you guys that same kind of content. I will be mailing out the merchandise. The coronavirus has put a little delay on me being able to send stuff out, getting new shipments in so I can send out to everybody, too because there was an outpour of people that wanted to get merchandise, which I greatly appreciate. Again, we're giving away for free because it's not to gain anything. We're just having fun, honestly. Just a fun football interactive podcast is all I was hoping for, and I'm glad it started off that way, and I hope it continues. We're going off with a
1: bang, bro. We got droves of five-star ratings and reviews on the Apple Podcast. Keep those coming, and uh, keep following us on Twitter, at another fb pod, and you'll get up to date with – everything we possibly can with the NFL world as much as we can right now. And uh, you'll know who's coming on the pod. Like on this episode, our guy Teron Davenport is going to be on later in the show. He sat down with Connor to talk all things Titans. And Connor, let the people know who else is coming on later in the show.
0: We got Mark Schofield coming on of the NFL Wire to talk about Tom Brady and the Patriots among other things because mark is a brilliant nfl mind you guys will greatly enjoy him if you don't know him already from uh talking to bleeding green and being on the uh michael kisses podcast so uh we're gonna get some great info into uh uh, stuff from him to discuss and i can't wait we told you you the
1: guests were coming
0: interactive podcast like i said guys let us know what you think let us know your opinions if you disagree with me i'm more than happy to have a civil debate about it
1: free agency is underway. It got underway. And the first domino to fall was not Tom Brady. It was Ryan Tannehill.
0: So, I mean, we took like, I, we had Teron coming on. So we go into that again, but just a quick little briefing on my opinion on that. Like we said last week on the episode, that was the best week for the Titans. Uh, I think a lot of people are stuck on the four years, 118 million. Uh, Tehran breaks it down beautifully. It's really when you look at it, it's really just a three-year deal. If he doesn't mm-hmm. perform in the first two years, it, it's easy. To, it's possible to get out of these contracts. The thirst for quarterback play in this league, uh, I mean, he showed – the Raiders were interested in him, like we went over. Uh, they knew that they were in the market for him. But it, it's it's not impossible to get out of these contracts. You just saw Nick Foles get traded for, uh, to, after signing that whooping deal with Jackson all the way to Chicago now, like – there, there is way to get out of these contract folks, and if they have to take the dead cap, they're gonna take the dead cap. But uh, again, it Arthur Smith really was building something with Ryan Tannehill. He came in, they went seven and three. Uh, I don't want to like hit on it too much because Toronto really breaks down the Titans, and Tannehill re- returning uh, great on our segment together. But uh, it was the right move. It was the right move for our offense. Uh, I know it's a copy. It's really an every year league. Uh, they're going to have some film on. People are going to know what to expect from Arthur Smith and Ron Tannehill more next year, so we'll see if he can do it again. But the Titans are betting on it, and really he was their best choice in the end. Uh, I, Tom Brady comes in, you change the whole entire offense to fit him. Uh, it just doesn't look like – it didn't look like a good fit. Uh, they franchise tag Derrick Henry, so you know that Derrick Henry really started to go off when Ron Tannehill was starting to be the starting quarterback. Again, uh, we get into that with Teron, but uh, – just the right move, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, we said it all along. the The right move for the Titans was to bring Tannehill back. He fit what they were trying to do. They're that Smash Mouth offense with Derrick Henry, who they also are bringing back on the franchise tag. Um, I think the Titans have made all the right moves so far.
0: They, yeah, I mean, they had they did just trade Gerald Casey. Uh, recorder bets are on before that trade went down, of course, but. They had Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons mm-hmm. is a monster on that defensive line. Uh, they, they had a clear cap because they're gonna resign Derrick Henry. They want to probably make other moves too. Uh, I'm hearing they're linked to Clowney now since his market's <laughs> becoming a little more affordable. So uh, again, they they just brought Vic Beasley in on a big deal. I think mm-hmm. that's gonna be a good reclamation project for the Titans. Uh, yeah, they're I mean they're looking solid. It looks like Luke Ryan's done there too. But we're we get him with that Ron's. ESPN's reporter for the Tennessee Titans, my man, Teron Davenport from Coatesville, represent. How you doing, my man? Hey,
2: I'm doing really well, man. It's good to uh, get in touch with you, Connor. It's been a while, so I definitely was looking forward to getting on this, this podcast, man. I appreciate it.
0: I know, man. It's exciting to watch you grow from covering the Ravens, the Eagles, now all the way up at ESPN with the Titans. I'm. I love your content. Everybody does. I know people miss you out in Philly covering the Eagles, but you are killing it with the Titans, and what an exciting time to be covering the Titans right now, let me tell you.
2: Yeah, for sure, man. I appreciate that. It's definitely a good time, man. The timing is is uh, perfect, you know, with this team making that run they did last year. Coach Rabel and Derrick Henry and, you know, so many guys, man. A.J. Brown, Ryan Tannehill. It's, it's an awesome situation. You see uh, Kevin Byard doing his thing, so... I'm definitely happy with the guys I get
0: to cover. Yeah, there is Super Bowl aspirations in that locker room. I do think they're not that far off. But let's just go ahead and get into it now. Ryan Tannehill is back with the Titans. They did not let him really even test the market. They went ahead and did a new deal right away. Uh, we're looking at four years, $118 million, But could you break down that deal a little bit for us?
2: The way the deal set up, it's, it's pretty brilliant how they did it. I mean, it's very likely that he'll he's gonna have somewhat of a drop off from from last year, but even a moderate drop off will still be good for what that team needs him to do. So let's say he he plays like he plays good football for the next two years. They got him at a bargain, right? But then after that third year, they decide they want to move on. It only costs them $10 million. So in essence, that that 61 fully guaranteed that's that's really where the the nuts and bolts of that deal is. So it's not a bad deal at all, especially considering next year these uh, quarterback contracts are going to skyrocket. You know, with Dak and, and Deshaun Watson and and Pat Mahomes, I'm not putting Tannehill in that class. But I, what I am saying is, when you have teams paying upwards of thirty five million dollars a year for a, a top level quarterback you could have a guy in that second tier at an average of $29 million, and that's not bad. And that's even if they decide to to stay with him in year three and four of the contract. And then not only that, John Robinson did an excellent job of putting that deal together to where this year's cap number is between 24 and $25 million. So that gives them the, the flexibility to, if they want to, extend that franchise tag turn that into a deal for ryan uh for derrick henry they could do that but then they could also go out and, and, and sign a guy like a big beasley and they could also you know go out and, and get another corner or sign logan ryan if they choose to do that
0: right they do have flexibility here and you look at the first two years of Tannehill's hill's contract he's making average starting quarterback money when i think his play deserved even better than that uh i i I, I don't know how people can really hate on this deal. He is the best route for the Titans going forward. I know Tom Brady was out there. I know people pegged him for the Titans. But I said last week on my episode, I think Ryan Tannehill is the best bet. I mean, the last 10 games, it went 7-3. and three. I actually saw what you posted about A.J. Brown's progression once Ryan Tannehill went in there. And that's insane to me. Like Those numbers that he was able to keep, majority of his numbers came from week 7 to week 17 when Ryan Tannehill came in. Uh, You just see the fit there. Arthur Smith was a first-year offensive coordinator, and his offense really started clicking once they put Tannehill in. So I wouldn't fix what's not broken. I would have went ahead and got Tannehill too, would have stayed out of the Tom Brady market. I think he would have changed that dynamic of the offense, which it didn't need to be changed at all.
2: Yeah, and and to kind of expand upon what you saw with the A.J. Brown thing, here's the thing, and I'll give you a hot take, and I said it yesterday on the radio here, A.J. Brown's the best yards after catch receiver in the league i thought he was the best coming out of the draft as far as in that draft class I'm, I'm pushing it a step further i don't think there's anyone in the league better than him as far as yards after the catch because it gives you the mix of, of bouncing off the of tackles and ability to run away from people he's big he's strong he's fast that's a total package now i mentioned all that because when you look at the difference between ryan Tannehill and marcus Mariota. The biggest thing with Mariota was he would see it, but he wouldn't believe it, and it would cause him to be a second late on, on some of his throws. Timing is of the utmost importance on those slants, which is what A.J. Brown does, catches and, and takes the distance. He's a guy that runs through the catch. So as the ball's coming, he runs. He, he doesn't slow down to make the catch. He runs through it, so that is giving him extra separation. Now, in order to do that to the best of your ability, you need a quarterback to lead you, and that's what's happening with with Tannehill and A.J. Brown. That's why you see Tannehill's 9.6 yards per attempt be the highest in the league because not only is he throwing the ball down the field, he's leading guys like A.J. Brown perfectly.
0: Awesome. Yep, that explains it up to a T. Uh, I know you mentioned Derek Hendry on the franchise tag and getting a new deal. Is there any new status on that? Are they working towards a long-term deal, or are they comfortable with – just going on with the franchise tag moving forward. If they can't reach a long-term extension with him,
2: the, the tag really was to give them an inside, more of an inside negotiating tool. Uh, they have until July fifteenth to get a deal done. I man, because
0: <laughs> I know a lot you of teams could te- be looking at. I know a lot of teams you, worry you about be that. Looking
2: at a possible holdout. Now, I mean, I'm not Ooh. saying he's going to do it, but I, I could, I could see it. You know, him. Oh, this team put so much. Oh, he carried the ball 383 times last year. 69 percent of their offense, all the way up to that AFC Championship game in the playoffs. So he's definitely a big part of what they do, and I, I would think that he should be rewarded with with a, a longer term deal.
0: Right, I agree. I mean, John Robinson is a really wise GM. He came from the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Uh, he know he makes really a lot of good personnel decisions. You ha- I mean, it is the risk of paying a running back. I know a lot of people say that a lot, not, not to pay the running back, but uh, Derrick Henry is a different case here. Derrick Henry, like you just mentioned, is pretty much the majority of the Titans' offense. He's what gets them going. Uh, I don't see how they cannot get a long-term deal done with him, and I'm sure John Robinson can make it work where if they have to get out of it, they can too, uh, but also paying Henry what he deserves.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can see them putting something together where you know, it's a deal they could get out of after three years uh, with with some penalty. But you're right. They rely so much on him. And I think when you look at Derrick Henry, you got to see this guy in person. Uh, you know, and really understand it. I'm not saying that it's not possible for him to get hurt. But, you know, knock on wood, I think he is, is pretty well built to sustain the, the – type of uh, play that he's required to do. But here's the other thing. You rarely see him get hit. In, in two years mm-hmm. here, I saw him get hit hard twice. One by Levante David against the Bucks, and then in that playoff game against the Ravens, uh, Brandon Williams caught him pretty well. But yep. That was it. Other than that, he hasn't really been hit. You know, most of the time, he's the one giving out the punishment.
0: All right, he's a different breed of running back. Uh, he's really, yeah. uh, if you remember John Riggins back in the day, that's that's really the type of... <laughs> That's really the type of running back you get, and I mean, he's different, like you just said. So, I would extend him, obviously. I think that every Titans fan wants him extended. Uh, I, I see that working out soon. But you did mention earlier about Vic Beasley edition. I really like that edition because I see Mike Vabral getting the most out of guys like a Correa when he was not thought of well with the Ravens, and they dumped him for a mid-round pick, but they did get the most out of him. Uh, I love Harold, Land- uh, Harold Landry. On the other side, I think they can get Vic Beasley back into his sack production mode.
2: Yeah, I do think they could They could get him going. He's a guy that has that reputation of being a sack chaser. I, I think what they're going to have to do is just, and Vrabel has the ability to do it. I always talk to him about, uh, I ask him about motivating players. He says, no, I, I don't need to motivate, I need to inspire And I think he has the ability to to kind of dial into a player and get him to to play to his best ability, especially edge guys. And you see him in practice. He's working with those guys all the time. They have an outside linebackers coach who actually played at at Georgia Tech. Um, uh, His name is Shane Bowen, and and he was a a pretty good guy uh, there. But watching him work with with hands and, and keeping the chest plate clean, this is something that Vic Beasley needs. He needs to develop a move to go along with his ability to come off the edge so i think that's a a good thing for him i, I still feel that the titans need to bring in another veteran just to kind of establish that culture that pass rushing culture uh, harold landry is, is is a guy who's working to add moves to his toolbox too so uh, i think they really together that they could they could add stuff and, and it become a, a pretty good tandem right you know it's two guys who have tremendous bursts coming off the edge. I think they could work together. You're going to see more single teams for Vic Beasley, which works in his favor. Uh, He has a 21, I think it's 21.7 pass rush win rate percentage going against one-on-one. So that's something. And and you look at Jarrell Casey and Jeffrey Simmons, they're going to occupy a lot of attention inside, especially that Jeffrey Simmons. uh, I'll tell you right now, that's going to be a guy to watch and I think he's going to help the guys on
0: the edge. Oh, yeah. I I look at Jeffrey Simmons, and I'm thinking DeForest Buckner-type ceiling. I really think he's going to be an elite player in this league. I just love Vic Beasley for them, though. I think that's going to be one of the underrated additions of the offseason because I do think the change of scenery, uh, different. I I like Vapero as a defensive coach more than I like Dan Quinn, too. I think he'll really, Mm -hmm. like you said, it's not about uh, motivating, it's about inspiring these guys, and I think Vic Beasley needs to be inspired after being really a – I mean, after his leading the league in sacks that one year, he fell off ever since. I just think he needs—he knows what to do. He has the tools. He just needs to be inspired. So I love Vabel for him. So are there any guys you have your eye on in the draft for the Titans so far? Have you been oh, playing? man, there's,
2: there's play. we would probably have to do another, another segment to cover that. But I'll tell you a couple guys. I think Jonathan Grenard is a guy that will come in and play really well for them. He's coming out of Florida. He was in Louisville before that. He's a guy, really good speed to power. Uh, he's someone that has a, gets a good jump, uh, very strong. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how he's going to play with, with that wrist being 100%. So uh, he's a guy, uh, There, there's a lot of guys, man. Uh, KJ Hamler, I think he's a really good fit. Jalen Rager, I know uh, he, he was here for a, a top 30 visit. Um, Jeff Gladney uh, out of TCU also. Darnay Holmes out of UCLA and Amik Robertson out of uh, Louisiana Tech. These are the top two nickel corners in my mind. Both of these guys are, are, are feisty, uh, especially Robertson. You watch him against Texas, you, you know, going against Colin Johnson, and, and he, he took his lunch, you know what I mean? You watch um, Darnay Holmes. He's a mix of, you know, uh, speed. He's a guy that will body up against bigger receivers. You watch him against Oklahoma. He covered uh, not Antonio, uh, Hollywood Brown in, in the mm-hmm. slot, turned and ran with him, and then he lined up outside, turned and ran with him. And then he turned around, and he went against a, a guy, um, a bigger receiver than Nikhil Harry from Arizona State. He covered slants well. He actually picked one off and returned it to the house. You look at going against Stanford, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, contained him, and he, he's a complete player. And then on top of that, he's a dynamic kick returner, too. Darney Holmes is probably a prospect that I would
0: really, really match to the to the Titans. Yeah, Darnay Holmes, and uh, you mentioned Jeff Gladney too. I, a lot of people don't realize how well Adore Jackson played last year. Uh, he's really become yeah. a staple in that secondary for the Titans. I think him and Holmes or uh, Gladney would be a great tandem right there, especially since it's looking like, I mean, do you believe Logan Ryan leaves in free agency? Because I'm thinking if, if he gets offered, uh, I'm, I'm sure he's going to leave, I think
2: yeah, I think he could very well end up in Philly actually. and uh, man, for the life of me, Malcolm Jenkins not being an eagle is uh. is it's it's crazy, but I think, you know, Logan Ryan is a guy that I could see them bringing in to give them someone else to to play that nickel spot. But just to bring that veteran leadership to the secondary, I could definitely see that happening. but I, I figure it's gonna cost between ten and thirteen million dollars a year. Um, that's something that I, I'm not sure the Titans could do. So it, it's definitely possible that, that he'll move on. And it's a shame because I really, really enjoyed working with him. Uh, we got to talk about coverages and things in the locker room. Uh, he actually, he he taught me some things, you know. So it, it was great getting to, to have him here and, and, and cover him. And I, I hope he does come back. But I, I think it does look like he's moving on.
0: Right. I mean, he... I think a lot of people don't realize that he, cause a lot of people focus on when Patriots players leave, they usually don't too well in their next places, but he's one of those guys you can chop up and say he did well as next des- destination. Uh, he is a great leader. I, I completely agree with you. Came out of Rutgers, I believe. And, uh, yep. yeah, he's, he's a good corner. I would like that for Philly. Uh, but, yeah, Teron, thanks for coming on, my man. I know I don't want to take up all your time. I know you're busy with the ESPN live now and the Titans going crazy this offseason. But I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on the show, talk to me again like good old times, and you gave us some great insight on the Titans, and I appreciate it, man.
2: Yeah, for sure, man. Don't be a stranger. Make sure we, we get this, this thing going again, man. I, I enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, I'm about to go to the studio. We have uh, I have a podcast and a show it's called Talking With TD on ESPN Radio here in Nashville. And uh, i got a Vandy special, man. Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, the Collage lips Lipscomb, and Jared Pinkney. Uh, I have those guys coming on. So, yeah. And Vaughn's another one that I, I would put to the Titans, too. So, there, there's a bunch of prospects. I appreciate you, though,
0: man. Uh, yep, you heard it. Talking With TD. Definitely check that out, guys. If you haven't been following Teron's work, Teron, give him the map, man. We need to start getting people to read those articles if they're not already because... I love the inside in your articles. You're my favorite writer, honestly.
2: Oh, I appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah, you could go to ESPN.com. You click on the NFL page, then Teams, and click on the Titans page. You subscribe to that, you'll get updates uh, every time something I post goes up. Also on Twitter, at TDavenport underscore NFL. You could go to Google Podcasts, iTunes, or Spotify and search Talking With W-I-T-H-T-D. And that gives you – every week, man, we bring draft breakdowns, uh, have uh, prospects on. And then in addition to that during the season, what I do, and this is something you won't see anywhere else, I go into the locker room, I I sit there and I I put a a play on on the phone, on the iPad, and I have a conversation with a player about it. We have one on offense, one on defense every week. So you can actually see what the guy is thinking about – as he's making a play that I picked from, from the previous game. So, unique content, definitely make sure you check it out.
0: Yep, I, if you only have to be a Titans fan, you don't have because Teron's covered multiple teams since he's become a writer, so he'll give an insight on anything, and he knows the players, so I definitely recommend that. And Teron, this is silly, this is a hypothetical question before I go, it's because you've covered both teams, you know I'm a fan of the one team, I just want to put this out there, just put this out there hypothetical real quick. So John Robinson and Hyah Roseman do have some repertoire with making trades. Let's just go crazy right here. I, I know the cap implications. I know everything that's going on with that. I do know the Titans have some space and they're trying to get their Henry done. But let's just, hypothetically speaking, say Hi Roseman gives John Robinson a call and says, hey, I have a wide receiver here who really wants to get out and is willing to restructure to get out of the organization just like the Marco Murray did when we sent him to you guys, what about a swap for Alshon Jeffrey? Is it any possibility? It's just a hypothetical. Any possibility you could see Derrick Henry for
2: Jeffrey? No, not Derrick
0: Henry. No, no, no. Just like a pick. You know how they they traded Demarco Murray for a pick swap. Uh, anything to affiliate cap. Maybe maybe Corey Davis for Alshon Jeffrey straight up, and then the Eagles throw a pick in something like just to get Alshon Jeffrey off the Eagles. Any possibility? John Robinson makes some magic with Howie Roseman again with that
2: i tell you this. I could see if the Eagles offered Alshon Jeffrey with a renegotiated deal. That number would have to get down to, to 10 or $12 million.
0: Right, yeah.
2: And a, a second-round pick for Corey Davis, I could see that happening. Ooh. I could see that happening. And I, I tell you, really, a, a receiver that, that would be good for the Eagles is, is, is Tajay Sharp, who's a free agent. He's from he's from Jersey. He's a UMass product, but he would be good for the Eagles because he gives you a slot. He gives you a guy that can play on the outside, a consistent pass catcher with a big radius. I think he and Carson Wentz would do well together because he's consistently where you need him to be when you need him to be there. So I, I, I can see them signing a guy like a Tajay Sharp. Uh, matter of fact, I'm going to text him and see if the Eagles have given him any interest because he is a free agent but uh, that Alshon for, for Corey Davis, Alshon and a second-round pick for Corey Davis, I can see that happening. But they're going to have to make a deal. Because, see, Corey Davis is entering the fourth year. They have to pick decide if they're going to pick up the fifth-year option or not in April. So I would imagine that the Eagles would have to, if they're going to give up a draft pick and give up Alshon, they're going to have to... Uh, Make sure that that Corey Davis is secure beyond just
0: this year. Right. Yeah. That's why I was starting to get the hypotheticals going because I was looking at his options, stuff like that. And I mean, John Robinson has helped out How he Rose move before get out of a really bad contract with Demarco Murray's. So I was just playing checkers there. But I don't believe that any- that will happen. I think Alshon's just going to get yeah. flat out released. To be honest with you, but you know it's fun to just to uh, drop hypotheticals to someone who would know. But, all right, man, I appreciate having you on. I hope to have you back on again soon. Everybody, check out Talking with TD. You're going to learn a ton of football information from this guy, like I did in my previous years. Thank you so much for coming on, Toronto. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, I appreciate it, man. And it's great to, to see you on the scene with this podcast, man. Keep it going. The big
0: free agent move, uh, signing, that in years... Is Tom Brady to the Bucks?
1: Tom Brady to the Buccaneers. Things so, you never thought you would hear in your life.
0: And things you were wrong about on this podcast because <laughs> I was wrong about it for sure. Because I, I did come on here last week and say, no way he's going back to New England. Like, he has to go back to New England. He's just making them sweat for weapons. Now, did he make them sweat for weapons, though? It looks like he did. Now, looking into the Patriots, they have no cap space. They have none, really none whatsoever. So they franchise tag Joe Throoney. That makes you think that if they end up going ahead and trading him on the tag, getting that salary off the books is when they're going to make their quarterback move because now they're stuck. Now they had Jared Stidham at quarterback. I think a lot of people are pegging them to get Cam Newton to get Andy Dalton a trade. They can't really trade for anybody. They don't have the cap. So, it's not going to be easy to take it. Andy Dalton's on the books for like $17 million right now. Mm-hmm. Cam Newton's deal, I don't know to the full extent. We can look that up in a little bit, but it's not something you can just trade for. Not only that, the Panthers ruined all their leverage. They have Teddy Bridgewater now. They know pe- Everybody knows Cam Newton's not going to be on their roster. Why do you have to trade for him? We'll talk a little bit later in the show about where I think he- Cam Newton's going to end up. But
1: Cam Newton's base the- salary, $18.6 million in 2020.
0: Yeah, the Patriots are. They can't afford that. No. So you have to. You cannot tell me they were not blindsided by this move. They had to think that Tom Brady was coming back because they know that they can. They can make his contract anyway to fit the cap. He's not a minute for the money. Like we said, we don't believe he's in it for the money. I know. I just fully believe he's not in it for the money. They could have made that contract fit.
1: And yeah. So what the Titans are doing now. Tom, I think, finally said, you know, I know my worth. I want to, you know, see what I'm worth. And New England was just like, yeah, we can't make that happen. And Tampa Bay came a call in with allegedly $30-plus plus million uh per year on the contract. And if you're Tom Brady, where you haven't been paid like the elite quarterback you are uh, your entire career pretty much, How can you turn down that money coming from a team that is desperate for quarterback play with a coach that has worked with some of the best quarterbacks to ever play in the NFL? And you've got, you know, an offense full of weapons that includes Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, who I think is the biggest beneficiary of Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay. And you've got Ronald Jones, who I think will also benefit from Tom Brady going to Tampa
0: Bay. It's, it's not even just that. It's that the Patriots didn't get one of these wide receivers that got traded, and Tom Brady saw that. They they didn't weren't in the market for DeAndre Hopkins now that he goes away. We'll talk about that later because that that's just – Still we're, blows we're my mind. That's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's going to be a topic on the show for sure. We'll get into that a little bit later. But they didn't trade for just DeS- Stephon De- 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 Diggs, and that's who a wide receiver. A lot of people pegged the Patriots to end up getting this offseason – for the Minnesota Vikings. We'll discuss that also later. But you're, if you're Tom, you saw those moves happen. Those moves happened before he really was rumored where he was going to sign. Uh, I know he announced on his Instagram, he's like, on that at the Patriots. But he realized they weren't going to make a move for a wide receiver. And that's that's what he demanded. He demanded more weapons. They weren't making a move on it. They franchise tagged Joe Thune and took up the rest of their cap. He He couldn't see a way where they were going to bring these weapons in. So he said, you know what, it's time for me to go. I'm going to go play with... Arguably the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. Yeah. Now, you brought up the Bruce Arians thing. I love Tom Brady with Bruce Arians. I think the fact that Bruce Arians is there is what alleviated Tom Brady's pressure to go to Tampa Bay. Because you look at Bruce Arians as a head coach. He took he went to the Arizona Cardinals. That franchise wasn't that well thought of before he arrived. They mm-hmm. had a couple moments under Todd Haley, but under Danny Green, nobody really thought of you saw the Cardinals years and years. Nobody really thought of them as anything. Bruce Arians went in there and made that team a contender. Bruce Arians has been an offensive coordinator in this league with the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger and has won a Super Bowl. Uh, I don't know. I, I had to fact check that. I don't know if he won a Super Bowl with the Steelers offensive coordinator. But he honestly, obviously, he was with Ben Roethlisberger during his best years. The guy knows quarterback play. He's a quarterback guru. You saw what he did with Kurt Warner. We talked about it all last time on the show. We thought Teddy Bridgewater would go there. We thought he would go to Tampa. The Grizzly veterans are Bruce Arians' way. He likes the Kurt Warners of the world. He liked the Carson Palmas of the world when he can get his hands on him. Now he can get his hands on Tom Brady, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, but also a veteran he doesn't have to baby. It's somebody he can win with right away. And Arians wants a ring. Yeah, he, he wants to win at Tampa. Obviously, if he came back and to coach for them, he wants to get a ring. So to get the best quarterback of all time, a Grizzly veteran that fits what you want to do as an offense and has the smartest quarterback IQ. Like I said, quarterback IQ is what matters in a Bruce Arians system. And then they get Tom Brady. So, I mean, there's still things to be fixed on that defense. Their pass rush is serious though. Mm-hmm.
1: They brought JPP back.
0: They got buried, uh on the franchise tag who mm-hmm. led the sacks last year. Like, they have pieces.
1: Bruce Arians did win a Super Bowl with the Steelers as a wide receiver coach.
0: All right. Well, he he, he worked on the offense. Yeah. Uh, all right. Forgive me, everybody, but he worked on the offense. But anyways, I love the move for Tom Brady as a team. If you really break it down and digest it, that's when you start looking at these aspects of it, and that's why I love it. Uh, I Tampa is going to be serious. I think a lot of people are taking them not lightly, but uh, – They have a high pick. I think they should go after Andrew Thomas because I don't think Jonathan Smith is an answer. Left tackle. I think they need a better left tackle for Tom Brady Mm -hmm. to be protected. Um their interior line is good. They have the O.J. Howard. I was never gonna draft on fantasy football again. I was gonna stay away from O.J. Howard now because of what he did last season after I picked him so high. But now his fantasy value has just skyrocketed. OJ Howard will be a weapon this year. You can book it. And I will definitely admit that I am wrong if he doesn't become one. I will definitely look back on it during the middle of the fantasy football season. We'll 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 bookmark that take and see how well it went. Tom loves but his
1: tight ends and O. J. Cameron Howard and Brate. Cameron Braight are gonna be in paradise playing with Tom Brady.
0: There is rumors that Antonio Brown isn't playing Man. for the Bucs. I doubt it. I doubt it. Man. Bruce Arians, Bruce Arians threw him. I mean if you're, if you're at the point where you're just saying whatever Tom says, go, then all right, I would say I could see Tom saying let's go bring A.B. in." And his market value is destroyed at how he acted. He's going to have to play for a bigger deal. So, realistically, the Bucks can try to make it work. But Bruce Arians really said that Antonio Brown was a diva last year. He did not endorse him that well. And they – I mean, it is kind of overkill. For Goddard what it's worth. Godwin's and Evans are just fine. You can go in the draft and get – Oh, Michael Pittman Jr. in the mid rounds for Tom Brady.
1: For what it's worth, Bruce Arians was the offensive coordinator for two years with AB.
0: I know they, they in
1: Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh.
0: And it doesn't well, so that doesn't make you think even more that he's openly calling him. Oh my back. god! Uh, who pers- a guy who personally knows him is good. I mean, that doesn't see like I brought to sign.
1: Oh, absolutely. I I feel like I mean, Bruce Arians got- is no bullshit right now and does not want it, but it's also Tom, and, you know, Tom doing everything on social media with AB and all that kind of stuff, looking out for him and everything. It's going to be one of those weird situations where we'll actually see if Tom has, you know, full autonomy in Tampa Bay like he did in New England.
0: Well, the rumor the rumors are they're in the market with Todd Gurley.
1: I have seen that. Todd Gurley's been posting a lot of, uh, you know, Hinting at a lot of things Tampa Bay related, he just bought a, a new car that is Tampa Bay Buccaneers colors. Uh, he and Brandon Cooks have been posting a lot of, you know, cryptic type tweets uh, speculating about one or both of them potentially ending up in Tampa Bay.
0: Wow. Brandon Cooks, I could see. That would make sense. Those contracts are bad, but I mean, if you sign Tom Brady, you're going all, all, all in. All in. Todd Gurley's knees are degenerating, though, so if the Rams can get out of that contract, I would actually applaud them from that because they are in cap hell.
1: They're in major I, cap hell.
0: Let's stick to what let stick to Tom Brady first though, because we'll, I do I just thought of something about the Rams where I I would ask you and just see what you thought about that real quick. But let's stick to this, uh, dude. I mean, the Patriots are either waiting for a quarterback to hit the market like an Andy Dalton, and I Andy Dalton go there. He fits with Bill Belichick the best. Because I think they're going to also be in the quarterback market in the draft. I think they're also going to try and see what they can get out of Jared Stidham, their fourth-round pick out of Auburn last year. Uh, but I do think Andy Doll is going to be the quarterback they target because they're making free agency moves. Uh, they brought them. If honestly, I don't think that they're going to try to rebuild. They brought back their uh, Devin McCourty. They've, mm-hmm. they've been making some moves. I mean, it doesn't seem like the thought process there now is to blow it all up, but I don't think they saw this coming.
1: Could they try and go cheap and potentially, you know, snag say Jameis Winston on a one-year deal and see what he does with Josh McDaniels, or could they go really crazy and, uh, you know, potentially bring Joe Flacco in because there's obviously the rumors he's going to get released. And, you know, with the tight end offense and Julian Edelman underneath on slant routes and stuff, you don't really have to throw the ball too deep. Uh, do they try to, like, budget this thing for a year and then try to figure it out in 2021?
0: Eddie Dolan just makes, makes too much sense of what that offense does and for him to fit it. Uh, I don't see Winston unless Bill Belichick's convinced he can fix him, which if Bruce Arians can't, I'm far believing that Bill Belichick won't either. I don't or- know. I'm not a Winston— I'm not a James Winston believer. I think I would get known on my my Twitter. I understand his stats, but I mean... Does this make sense to you? He had Evans and Godwin and... (laughs) and, uh, Howard, you better put up good numbers, man. Perryman going off?
1: Does this make sense to you because it would be a rookie contract still? We all know, obviously, as we record this, uh, allegedly Nick Foles has been traded to Chicago. Did they make a move for Mitch and try to make Mitch their reclamation project?
0: I, I I was asked this today, and I still don't think so. I mean, anything's possible. I don't I don't think the Patriots really know what they're doing right now either. I think they're I, I think this is the first time in in a while where Bill Belichick's been called with his pants down because I really don't think he thought Tom Brady would actually leave him. I don't think they really thought that. I don't think they thought it was a strong possibility. Like they thought they could make it work. Because I mean, what shows that they didn't think that they knew they didn't have any cap space to. Have an insurance plan back up right away. They tagged his offensive guards, hoping that he could say, "All right, Tom, we're still going to give you a great line to to stay behind. Wait for the draft. Wait until see what Canal Harry develops into. Waiting to see what who what wide receiver we try, attempt to get in the draft in this stack class. Uh, wait and see if we trade for a tight end in free agency or bringing in a Jimmy Graham or something of that nature. Uh, it doesn't seem like they were ready for this. It didn't seem like they were prepared for this. So, uh, I think anything is on the fly right now. So, I I mean, I don't think – the Bears, to me, getting Nick Foles today signaled to me that they still believe in Mitch, but, hey, if it doesn't work out, at least we have a starting caliber quarterback behind him who can, like, at least make spot starts as Nick Foles has throughout his career, basically. See, to
1: Um, me, it signaled that Ryan Pace still believes in Matt Nagy and was like, hey – it Should. doesn't seem oh, like course. Mitch is going to work out. Let's get you a guy you're familiar with. And they traded for Nick Foles.
0: Absolutely. But, I mean, again, you look at Nick Foles, who came into a backup situation behind Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. who knew who the guy was, knew what the team would go with, no matter what, if they had a choice. So he's going into that situation again where they want, it looks like they want Mitch Trubisky to be successful and in case he isn't. They have a starting caliber quarterback who has won in this league as a Super Bowl MVP uh, on their roster. It's funny, too, because his last win in, in the NFL was it's against a, the Bears on the double-doink. Double doink. <laughs> uh, he's the perfect quarterback to bring in that situation because you look like at Cam Newton. Cam Newton's not going to want to play quarterback competition with Mitch Trubisky. It's either you start me or you don't. Andy Dalton, at this point, I don't think he – he, he was upset when they benched him last year for Ryan Finley. He, that's the first time you ever heard any like drama out of Dalton Camp ever. It was.
1: I'd be mad going, if I got benched on my birthday too.
0: <laughs> I don't blame him. Yeah, I, don't, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. But that's like the first you heard out of Andy Dalton in a negative light was him openly saying, "I'm upset about being benched." He does. He wants to be a starter.
1: Mm-hmm. And he's he's you know a, a league average to below average starter. Like he's your bridge quarterback.
0: He would be perfect on the Patriots. And nobody can convince me otherwise.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple options out there for New England, but like you said, they have gotta kind of scramble you and know, assess everything now that Tom Andy is Dalton.
0: leaving. You can bring Andy Dalton and, and convince him that we're gonna draft the quarterback still, and be like, "All right, but I'm gonna you're our bridge starter for now." You can you can do that, uh, but I. If the, if the Buccaneers just continue to improve that secondary, watch out.
1: Yeah, big time. I
0: mean, I'm excited to watch them go off against Drew Brees twice a year. I know Brees isn't the same anymore. I think that's pretty evident. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's still fun to watch them go. Oh, against yeah. Mat-
1: Those offenses yeah. are still going to be high power.
0: It's, I'm excited. I'm excited for Tom Brady New England as a football fan. As an NFL fan. This is exciting. This is the most exciting all season I could ever remember.
1: The NFC South so, is going to have so many rivalries like not that they already don't, but those rivalries have new elements to them. Like you have two all-time great quarterbacks going up against each other uh twice a year. You've now got Teddy Bridgewater going up against Drew Brees twice a year. Like these these rivalries are going to hit all new levels in 2020.
0: It's I mean,
1: even
0: Teddy against his old team, too. Teddy exactly, Burnwater. Teddy versus Drew. Mark Schofield with the NFL Wire now. He is new to the NFL Wire. If you haven't heard of him already, you are missing out. This man knows his stuff. He's been along with Bleeding Green with the kid, uh, with Michael Kist. He's really great at football. Uh, Mark, thanks for joining us.
3: Connor, it's great to be with you, buddy. I'm um, excited to talk some football, excited to, you know, looking to talk about a couple of different things. We got quarterbacks, we got Darius Slay, so it's gonna be a fun little show. Yes, it
0: is. So, right off the bat, did you honestly see Tom Brady leaving New England? Because I did not.
3: You know, it, it's it's funny, Connor. Um, I was on a show up in San Francisco the day after they lost to the Titans, and people were asking me, obviously, you know. Is Tom Brady going to leave? He's going to go somewhere else. And I said, you know what? I I think he stays. But if he does leave, watch out for Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay will be a fascinating environment, fascinating fit for him. And I think sort of as this process went on and as we sort of heard, you know, reports coming out of New England that maybe the relationship with him and Bill Belichick, I'm afraid somewhat that phone calls weren't going well. I started to come around more and more to the idea connor that he was going to leave and i know i will say this you know at the combine there was that report that came out thursday from jeff darlington that you know it was more than likely that he was going to leave mm-hmm. and other people said that you know i was out at a bar that night the night before that wednesday night at the combine um with a bus of the patriot speed riders you know and it was like a more it was like a wake you know there, there was a lot of anxiety a lot of belief that Tom Brady was going to leave and so as this process sort of went on I came around to the idea that book. he was gonna leave but he was gonna find you know a different place to play in 2020 you know I'm excited for him you know as somebody that studies quarterbacks um you know I'm excited to see how he looks in this Bruce Herring's offense I'm excited to see what he's gonna do for guys like an OJ Howard or Chris Godwin you know I think those are guys to watch I think they're in positions to have huge years next year But at the same time, look, I grew up a Patriots fan. Before I was somebody writing about the game, before I was somebody talking about the game professionally, I was a Pats fan. I mean, Tom Brady's seven months younger than me. I mean, I can sort of track my life with Tom Brady as a constant. I mean, when he first started playing for the Patriots, I was in law school. I was single. I was looking to be a lawyer. And now here I am. I'm not a lawyer. I'm covering the game. I'm married with two kids and... You know, my life has changed, but Tom Brady's always sort of been there as a Patriots quarterback. So it's different, but
0: I'm excited for him. I think it's a great spot for him, and I can't wait to see him on the field. So let's just start. We'll, we'll talk to the, about the Buccaneers side, because that's a lot to talk about there and unpack, and it's it's exciting to see him be on a different team. But when you look at it from the Patriots side, I would argue that they kind of, I, I don't know. I, they really look like they lost this bet that he would come back, because I'm sure... You, if you expect Tom Brady to come back you, you figure out the cap that way with his contract No matter what Because he's coming back to play for you It's not about the money really to him In my opinion But you saw after DeAndre Hopkins got traded You saw after the Stephon Diggs got traded You would think that accelerated his decision Okay, the Patriots aren't really taking me seriously About this weapons that I'm rumored to want to have You would think They kind of got caught with their pants down here When you look at their cap situation Honestly, my man I, they can't afford to take on Andy Dalton's current contract. They can't afford to take on Cam Newton's current contract. It's hard to peg a quarterback to them right now when you look at their cap situation. Uh, again, the, the the Panthers are replacing Cam Newton with Teddy Bridgewater. We already know the Bengals are replacing him with Joe Burrow. So the leverage there is really gone now that the Bears traded for Nick Foles. But, uh, I mean, I guess if you're the Patriots, because now Joe uh, 30 signed the franchise tag, so now your cap is still where it is. I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know what they do with quarterback. Is Jared Siddham really going to be what they're going to do?
3: I, I, I think so. I think they have to. And it, it almost makes you think, and I was wondering this, and, and from talking to some other people that cover the team, I started to be convinced of this more and more. You know, People sort of thought that this offseason, oh, they'll find a way to you know, make one last run, one last ride. They'll load up for one final ride with Brady here. Carr, I think they tried to do that last year. I think last year was New England's sort of final ride with Tom Brady. You know, when you look at the fact that they started the year with, you know, a first round chosen a wide receiver, you know, with Nikhil Harry. They they do something that they don't usually do, which is to draft somebody early at the wide receiver spot. You know, they obviously had Josh Gordon, they bring Antonio Brown. Like they loaded up with some weapons for Tom Brady last year, and then they did something that was very unpatriot like. They had made a panic trade for Mohamed Sanu giving up a second round pick because they wanted to make sure they had a weapon for Tom Brady that wasn't named Julian Edelman so I think that sort of last year was their final ride with Brady and you know something that also sort of convinced me that look this was going to happen this was going to end badly was when Dante Skarnacki announced his retirement you know because if you're, if you're in that building and you think yeah we're going to load up for one more run here in 2020 you probably don't retire if you're Dante year you stick around but he announces his retirement you know and I I remember I, I sent a, a text to somebody I know that covers the team that's in the building all the time, and I was like, is, it, is Dante's, is this move, is it panic time now? And he sort of laughed it off when I saw him at the comedy, He was like, yeah, I think that was, the, that was the death knell right there. When Dante said that he was retired, it was, it was the sign that, look, this was over. And so as far as for what they do going forward, I think that their plan is Jared Stidham, that they're going to see what they have in this kid, um, They're going to see if he can handle the position. And if not, they're going to be in a position to draft somebody early next year. Now, I know that people are talking about, you know, potentially a Cam Newton, potentially an Andy Dalton. Um, Like you said, they have a Joe Tooney situation. They're still up against him in the cap. They might trade Joe Tooney now. They might tag him and trade him. Um, They might be in a sort of a rebuilding situation around Jared Stidham. And so it's going to be interesting to see. I do think what they do is they roll with stidham they probably acquire a veteran like i say a brian hoyer who's probably you know surplus out in indianapolis right now with philip rivers coming to town and jacoby Brissett's them there mm-hmm. and they see what this didn't ask. if it goes badly and it goes badly as some patriots fans think it might they might be four and twelve and they'll be in a position to perhaps move up and draft say trevor lawrence or justin fields next year they have a bad schedule next year connor like they have trips to seattle a trip to L.A. to play the Rams, a trip to L.A. to play the Chargers. They've obviously still got the first-place schedule. You look at what the Bills have done. You look at what the Dolphins have done. The AFC East is going to be tougher sledding for them anyway. They could go 7-9, You know, or I guess, I guess we know just that. So 7-10 or 4-13 or something like that, given the 17-game schedule. So, yeah, this looks bad.
0: This is crazy. This is crazy. This is unheard of. Bill Belichick. This is... Ah. Uh... What an look, exciting time in football.
3: And you, and you look at what they're losing on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I know everybody's focusing on Tom Brady, and rightly so, as the greatest quarterback of all time. They've lost Kyle Van Noy. They've lost Jamie Collins. They've lost Danny Shelton. They've lost Deron Harmon. Like They've lost Alandon Roberts. I mean, they've lost a lot on the front of their defense. And they have guys they they can slide in, like a Juwan Bentley or Chase Winovich, you know, a Lawrence guy. So they still have pieces. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they were up against it from a cap perspective, which, again, points to the idea that last year was their final run with Brady. It fell short, woefully short, if you ask some Patriots fans. And now they have to sort of retool things a bit, and it might not be an instant turnaround.
0: So you mentioned a quarterback that I kind of was like, maybe they'll look into that again because of the cap situation. I'm looking at Jacoby Brissett over there in Indianapolis now. I know Brian Horner makes sense because you could fit him in with the type of contract you give him. But I'm looking at Jacoby Brissett. I'm thinking maybe Bill's like, well, I mean, I did like him when he was here, but he was an added luxury at the time when we traded him for D- Dorsett. Maybe we can try it again with Brissett.
3: Yeah, I mean, they could do that. Um, you, you do wonder how Frank Reich is going to handle that quarterback role because maybe he looks at percent and says, look, it's going to be a tough situation. Now set them to the bench. You know, maybe we're better off with Brian Hoyer as our backup, and then percent becomes sort of something that could be available via trade or something like that. You know, and it would have surprise me. I mean, I was reading a, a story today from Bleacher Report. They did a great sort of deep dive on, you know, you look back a couple of seasons, the Patriots had Brady Garoppolo and percent in their quarterback room. I mean, three guys that were starting quarterbacks last year. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people around the league were very envious of that situation. And they knew that Belichick wouldn't be able to hand on to them all. You know, he was going to have to start, you know, moving guys to acquire talent at different positions. And so, you know, Belichick did like Brissette and the organization loved Brissette. And, you know, the, the Patriots are one of those teams that sort of, if you look at how they evaluate the quarterback position traditionally, they're one of the few remaining teams that sort of believes in the "quote unquote" Parcells rules, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the guys that are multiple year starters and thirty wins or thirty starts and twenty three wins and sixty percent completion percentage. And Brissett checked a lot of those boxes, and so did Garoppolo, and so did Stidham, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think I do like Brissett. Another guy that went to that form is the guy himself, Bill Parcells, who has a relationship with Kobe Brissett, and so. You know, there are there a lot of people in that organization that were believers in him. It would surprise me if they found a way to bring him back. No, I mean, I think he would be somebody that could certainly run that offense, has a ton of familiarity with it. But I, I still think that Stidham's going to be the guy they turn
2: to.
0: Yeah, so just last on the Patriots and Stidham, let everybody know right now, everything Marcus said has been great points, and I completely agree because you do have to realize they did try with Kaneo Harry, they did try with Josh Gordon. They brought Antonio Brown in, which... Belichick would have never signed off on earlier yeah. in the year, in his career. Uh, all great points. So it makes complete sense. It looks like this would have been Brady's plan all along, and we just missed it. Some of us missed it. Uh, but look at Stidham. I mean, I I like watching the quarterback position. I love pulling up the film and seeing what guys do at college. I I he has some tools at Auburn. He did show some tools at Auburn and have some quarterback talent. It's just uh, I I. Do you think his quarterback IQ is on the same level as Josh McDaniels?
3: No, I mean I don't yeah. think it is, but I think it can get there. what's interesting, Connor, about, you know, Jared Stidham who look, you look at my Twitter header photo, it's me at Stidham. I mean, how mm. opportunistic is that, man? And from, from getting a chance to talk to him down for the senior bowl, you know, two years ago, you know, he's somebody that clearly was in two different offenses, first at Baylor, then at Auburn, that don't really translate that well to the NFL game. You know, but then you see him down with a senior bowl and he's playing for Kyle Shanahan and his system. And you can see sort of the light go off in his head. And, you know, when I got a chance to talk to him, one of the friends I asked him was like, what was your, what was your favorite route design to run this week? And he sort of laughed at me and it was just like all of them, man. every single one of them. And you get the impression that this was a kid that knew that look, the Baylor offense, the Auburn offense, like these weren't, you know, ideal NFL offenses, you know, they would work you know, an environment where you can get a full sense of who he is as a quarterback, who he could be in the NFL. But Kyle Shanahan's more pro-style offense was something where he excelled at it and he loved to run it. So I think that he'll, you know, he'll get there. And another thing to point out is you talk to people, you know, that were at OTAs, that were at training camp, the growth that Stidham made from rookie OTAs to training camp was incredible. He came in for rookie OTAs. And Connor, I was people would tell me that, they were just going through walkthroughs, where it's like, you know, not even half speed, like quarter speed. And he'd still throw interceptions. Mm-hmm. And people were looking around like, what are we What are we doing here? Who is this kid? And then he comes into training camp, and he plays extremely well. Oh. I mean, I remember I did a piece for Matt Waldman's rookie stud Studden portfolio, and him sort of rated a, a Cougar coverage, which is like a cover two trap, where, you know, the cornerback acts like he's going vertical, and he actually uses a man turn. And there, we're of the go-flat combination. So it looks like you get you know man coverage on the outside. You're going to throw the flat route to where that corner is. But in this coverage scheme, the corner does that man turn, turns his back to the quarterback to bait you into throwing that route to the flat. And so he does this man turn, the cornerback does, and then peels off to trap the flat route. And Stidham sees it, pulls it down, and scrambles for the first down. But that's an advanced read from a rookie quarterback. And so... Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that you know he's gonna get there. It's just a matter of
0: time. Uh, I, I'm gonna be paying a ton of p- attention to the Patriots this year because I want to see how Bill Belichick answers to all this. I just want to see how that team. Because I mean, you did mention the defensive guys, but I, they've he's used to that. I feel like that that's a, that's one coach I would trust to deal with those type of losses. But I mean, losing the best quarterback of all time, it's. It's going to be fun to watch. I just want, I'm just i just intrigued by the idea of it, and I will be watching Jared Stidham see what he does, but focusing on Brady and Tampa Bay now, this is the perfect situation for Bruce Arians trying to get a Super Bowl ring. That's basically yeah. what it seems to me. He gets the Grizzly veteran back like he had when he had Kirk Warner and Carson Palmer. He gets the guy with the highest quarterback IQ to run his offense. Uh, there's so many, obviously, we everybody knows they would Tom Brady over James Winston is a huge upgrade, and with that coaching staff, they're going to take off. But, I mean, they still have holes on the defense, but I think a lot of people are looking at him like, eh, you know, Tom Brady ended the season like that last year. He's he's 43 years old. He's kind of he's losing it is what people would think. He's obviously doing this to prove them wrong and to have weapons like Chris Godwin. I, I was joking with people, I'm not going to draft O.J. Howard ever again, I swear to God. And now that they just got Tom Brady, I'm like, uh, I'm going to draft O.J. Howard again in fantasy this year just to let everybody know. But uh, I like it. I think the offense could take off, and then I mean, you hear rumors about them trying to get Todd Gurley. Uh, right, Melvin Gordon's out there, and his market's dwindling. Uh, I mean, you gotta like what they're doing. It's just the offensive line is what kills me because I I'm not a big guy on Donovan Smith. I think they definitely need to upgrade that left tackle position. Uh, but now I mean that you get Tom Brady there. Free agents are gonna be attractive. I I wouldn't see. I I could see Jason Peters going there.
3: I mean, look, I think you have to look at Tampa Bay now, you know, I'd say probably right up there with New Orleans as favorites in that NFC South. Absolutely. And potentially in the, in the conference. You, you look at what Tom Brady's going to do for that offense number one. I mean, we know what he's going to do. It's going to be a much more efficient offense. You're not going to have a quarterback who's going to throw 30 interceptions. And you know, maybe Tom Brady doesn't throw the deep ball, which we traditionally associate with Bruce Arians. But you also look at Arians as you know offensive concepts. There's a lot of flood concepts. There's a lot of you know multiple level reads and things like that. And he'll be able to get it done. And so yeah, I think that's a big part of where they're going to be. I think if you look at this Tampa Bay defense, they were getting better down the stretch. They're going to be now in a situation where they're not facing short fields all the time. You know, it's nice. a situation where your quarterback's going to take better care of the football. They're going to extend some drives and things like that. He's not going you know, to put his defense behind the eight ball. You look at now reports from Adam Schefter and others that free agents are calling, like, look, that's where I want to go. I want to play with Tom Brady. They're going to definitely get some more pieces in. Maybe it is um, a Gordon or a Gurley or who knows who else they could add around them. It's going to be a destination for players. And then you know, the final component of the whole like Tom Brady thing, and this can't be overstated, Connor. I've said this so many times in my years covering Tom Brady that, you know, I have this line that I always say, you know, you get on an elevator with Tom Brady, how quickly does he bring up the fact that he was picked 199? Probably before you get to your floor, he's going to be telling you how every other team passed him, including the New England Patriots a couple of times. He's been driven by that chip on his shoulder. He named his production company 199 Productions to remind everybody that he hasn't forgotten that fact. now he has the ability not just to keep reminding people of that but he has the fact that Bill Belichick perhaps gave up on him and he's gonna use that he's gonna use that to go out there and prove everybody wrong like oh you couldn't play you said I couldn't play when I was 43 yeah look what I just did I mean I am sure he is looking at this right now as I can go shove it down everybody else's throat one more time on my way out the door That said I was too old that I was over the hill that I couldn't run Bruce Arians' offense, that I wasn't good enough to be in New England, that they passed me up for Jared Stinham. Yeah, I would I would be stunned if he doesn't come out and have, like, not a career year, but something close next season.
0: I agree with you. I think a, I, a lot of people are missing the little points to this, too. You look at Bruce Arians. He went to the Cardinals when they weren't really well thought of as an organization, completely made them a contender with quarterbacks that you wouldn't expect him to do that with. Because nobody thought of Kurt Warner when he went there. And nobody, he was supposed to be back up to Matt Liner. That's what they were hoping for, to groom him. Yeah. Then you look at Carson Palmer, who got traded from the Raiders to him for next to nothing after he was complete bust of the Raiders. And again, he's a playoff contender with them. That's a given he's going to be without Brady, obviously. That's a given. Now he's going to Tampa Bay, an organization that hasn't been thought of since really when Gruden won the Super Bowl with them. And he's most likely going to take them, if not to the Super Bowl, at least to the NFC Championship again. Uh, the one really hole I see on their team is the offensive tackle position and corner. I think once they get another solid corner, they're they're going to be fine. Their pass rush is great. Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaquille Barrett, I mean, yeah. yeah. if they bring yeah, now, if they look, yeah, Go ahead.
3: By, by, by Britton and Brady, they could do something entirely different with that 14th pick. I mean, everybody had sort of you know looked at it and said, oh, Jacob Eason or maybe Jordan Love, they're going to go quarterback at 14. You know now with free agency, the way it changed things, the board looks different. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think when you, if you would ask me like before free agency, agency started, like when are we going to see quarterbacks come off the board? I might have told you. Look, and I have told people back you know a week ago, you might see five quarterbacks in the top fourteen. You know now, you know maybe you still see some, but I don't think you see one to Tampa Bay at fourteen. And that's going to potentially push guys down the board at that offensive tackle position. You might see a guy like Tristan Wurfs there. You might see a Makai Beckton there. You might see, you know, Jedrick Willis there. Or, you know, one of the other, the, uh, these other guys that people are talking about, Josh Jones from Houston, yeah. Austin Jackson from USC. So they could address tackle there. They, it, this, this Brady move gives them some flexibility where they can address positions of need and not just trying to, like, force the quarterback pick to get a guy.
0: Right, I mean, you look at, yeah, Tristan Wirfs is what I would assume that they go now, if he's around there in yeah. that pick. But, I mean, also, he could also go quarter now, so you're right. They could get a Christian Fulton, then get a C.J. Henderson maybe, perhaps. So, yeah, it's exciting. It's I, I'm excited to see what he does down there, and I don't want to continue to just take out the whole entire, because we can talk about this for hours. But, uh, I'm very excited to see what happens down there. So, let's talk about Rivers and... With the Colts, I like it personally. I think he's finally getting. Enough. When we watched Philip Rivers last year, that a lot of his turnovers were because he had to get the ball out quick enough, and it just wasn't happening. It wasn't. He wasn't yeah. working. His passes were accurate. So now you give him the Colts offensive line, and you give him a coach he's already familiar with, and Frank Reich, and then you also have Nick Sirianni too. Uh, perfect situation. Couldn't draw it up any better. Uh, the one year deal to me is awesome because you did hear reports that. He was saying, hey, I'm telling my next team, don't draft my predecessor in this draft, though. I want to be committed to. But now you take this one-year deal and you open up the floodgates to draft a quarterback in the second and third round still because you got force Buck yeah. during the trade. Yeah, So, I mean, how do you feel on it? I feel like Phil Rivers is going to have a bounce-back year.
3: I think so, too. I think Rivers is in a good position to have sort of a bounce-back season. And Indianapolis, I think, did the right thing. I think, you know... The trade that they made to get the forest was a good move to help their defensive line, but they still have picks at 34 and 44. You know, they mm-hmm. still get two early second round picks. So they can still be in a situation where, you know, they don't have to, similar to what we were just talking about with Tampa Bay, they don't have to force a pick at 13 for a quarterback. They could wait. And if a guy that they like, like a love, like an Easton, sort of falls into that late 20s kind of range, which could happen, you know, now with more teams addressing quarterback via free agency. They could, like, then take a swing on a guy as a, you know, they could trade back into the play first round, draft a guy that's going to need some time anyway, like a Neeson, like a Love, and it won't cost them a ton. Or somebody could fall to them at 34. And so they're in a very good place there. I think he's going to be behind a better offensive line. You look at Quentin Nelson, somebody because get Costanzo back, I think, is a huge part of this as well. He's going to be better protected. And I think the scheme fit makes better sense for where Phillip is right now as a quarterback. Like, You know, you look at how Frank Wright structures that offense. It's obviously a lot of quick game, West Coast passing concepts. You look at how he handled Andrew Luck when he was coming back from injury. Didn't seem like he had the shoulder back fully. Was trying to make some throws downfield, and they were a bit of a struggle at times. Like, I think this is a great fit for him. I think it's an environment where he'll be better protected, get the ball out quickly. You know, obviously get a chance to play in Lucas Oil, a nice controlled, sterile environment. It's a good situation for him as well i think this is a good move for indianapolis it gives them a quarterback for the now the would you approve a deal i kind of like too, because if he still has you know something left they can say look you know maybe we draft somebody they don't have to play right away we can go the mahomes route sit him for a year or two rivers can do what he has to do I think it's a good fit for Indianapolis. And I think it's a good fit for
0: Philip Rivers. Right. I just don't think it takes him out of the quarterback market. But like you said, they don't have to force anything now with those two second round yep. picks. But the best situation is they got the Buckner. I would give up thirteenth pick any day for the Buckner. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you look yeah, at thirty four. Such a smart move. Right, absolutely. I mean, I, this especially when he's still in his prime because you see people trading for defensive linemen that are even older than that. And, but anyway, so you look at I, I would if I had to pick a quarterback for them. I would definitely pick Jacob Eason. I think Jacob Eason would really benefit from being with a head coach like Frank Wright. So you would have to. I mean, I, I, Go ahead.
3: I think that's exactly right, Carl. I mean, you wanted to if you're Indianapolis, like let me look at it this way. Let me put it this way: if you're looking at a guy like Love or Eason, you know you're going to want to have a situation where the team that drafts them, or if your team, you're a fan of the team that drafts one of those guys, has had sort of a proven track record of developing quarterbacks. And Frank Reich has that. You know, you look at what he was able to do with Wentz, you look at even what he did a little bit with Jacoby Percet, even though it didn't fully pan out, mm-hmm. how he handled Andrew Luck. Like, there's a track record there of developing quarterbacks and getting them to learn the system, learn the game, and play well. And so I think a guy like one of those two that could use some season, niece and niece our love, that makes sense for Indianapolis. Another man I'll throw into the mix, and this might be a scenario where they could weigh – Perhaps grab this guy at forty four is Jake Fromm. And I know Jake Fromm doesn't move the needle for a ton of people. I'm about to say a lot know. of people are
0: gonna get sick now. <laughs>
3: well, he's no, he's I... a game manager, he's you know, a system quarterback, he's limited physically. I think there are a handful of situations where Jake Fromm could Dare I say, thrive in the National Football League? He might be one of the more scheme limited quarterbacks in this entire draft class. Like, I think there's four teams where it could work, and like, you know, 28 teams where it just is not going to work. I think Indianapolis, Chicago, Tennessee, New England were those four scenarios where Jake Fromm would be a guy that could have a successful NFL career in those types of offenses and systems. And with Indianapolis, it's because again, West Coast offense, Lucas Oil Stadium. You know, he's not going to have to face a ton of severe weather situations, you know, that brings the hand size into question. But I think you could step in and run that offense and run it well. I think you could step in and run Chicago's offense and run it really well. And so, you know, I think if they decide, look, we don't have this pick of 13 now because of the Buckner trade, which makes sense, but 34, somebody in another position falls into our lap, whether it's, you know, a corner or something like that, that they want to address, and they just want to wait. And from is there at 44. And that wouldn't surprise me at all. I think he would be a good fit for what they do offensively, what they do schematically, and it would be one of those situations where Fromm could actually have success as an NFL QB.
0: Right. I When I look at Jake Fromm, I'm thinking, uh, honestly, uh, now that I paid Jordan Love to go to the Colts in the beginning at 13, I thought that would be a good fit there. But now I don't think, obviously, they traded away the pick, and now I'm, I don't think it's going to happen. Because I think a lot of people are sleeping on the Saints for Jordan Love. I think a lot of people don't bring up him to the Saints a lot. I could definitely see them trying to make a move for him because I do believe this is Drew Brees' last season. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. I think it's his last season. I think he would be a great fit with Sean Payton. And then I also think Jake Fromm would, too. I think you could look at different types of quarterbacks because Sean Payton knows how to get the best of the quarterback position and make picks with him there. But, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I Also... You look at Indianapolis; they do need a corner, like you said, a wide receiver to complement T.J. Hilton's. Also needed too. And yeah. now that you got Rivers there, and you let Ebron go, and you're going to go ahead and go with Jack Doyle now, you're going to look at the wide receiver market. I think they have a. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they have a sense if uh, some kind of sense of Chennault falls to them because I think he'd be perfect for them if he stays healthy. Yeah, I mean that. Look,
3: Chennault is before all this Brady stuff happened. You know, I was telling anybody that would listen, look. If Chenault's on the board at 23 and they don't take Lavisca Chenault, I'm flying to Foxborough and throwing a fit because I absolutely love this kid. And so, I mean, if he sort of slips to 34 for Indianapolis, my God, turn him a card. Like, yeah. I'm such a huge fan of his game. I'm such a huge fan of, you know, how Colorado used him. You talk to Stephen Montez, their quarterback at the combine, he's like, look, we lined the guy up. Running back, quarterback, tight end, X receiver, Z receiver, slot receiver. Like we put him everywhere. And somebody else asked him a question like what was his favorite route to throw? And he was like, Leviskus. Like if <laughs> if if he had one on one coverage, it was a good route to throw. Like, that's how good he was. And I think he'll be even better in the NFL when he gets, you know, competent, consistent quarterback play. So
0: yeah, I'm all aboard the Lavisca Chenault train. Yeah, I I agree. I obviously it's just the injury history. I think that's what a lot of people are down on him for. But what big wide receivers don't get injured nowadays, man? It happens. Yeah, he, he has the talent. Yeah, he's gonna be. I I put him with Phil Rivers and we'll see what happens. All right. So I pitched something earlier on the show about Cam Newton because now that they signed Teddy Bridgewater, it's over. I don't think they're gonna be able to get a trade done for him at all, especially with that injury history it's going to have to be a release unless some team is, comes out of nowhere and is incredibly desperate and doesn't think they'll be able to sign him on the open market. But I pitched that I think his best fit would be with the Redskins and back with Ron Rivera because I think Dwayne Haskins would be a perfect situation for him to sit for a season, regroup, get this new offensive coach in. Since you're already going – it's your second year going through another offensive coordinator, another play caller already. It's going to be your third since Bill Callahan was interim coach. That's why I think would be the best fit for Cam Newton is Washington. Because, look, I think you're looking at somebody whose body's broken down on him and at, the, at a position where quarterbacks of the mobile variety start breaking down. I think if you want to prove to be a starter, your best fit is with Ron Rivera and the Redskins.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that's ideal. Um, you know, I think when you look at how Washington's going to look schematically, obviously his you know, Washington's offensive coordinator, Scott Turner. Right, also you know, that. Obviously, North Turner's son, and former Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator, and, you know, somebody that, you know, the offensive scheme is going to be something that, you know, Cam do has been running for the past couple of years now. Sort of that downfield, more vertical passing game, but with a blend of RPOs and things like that mixed in. So I think that scheme that makes a ton of sense. And if, you know, Washington is now able to sort of sign Cam Newton via free agency because it does look like he might get released. Yeah, that does make a ton of sense. Another situation I think would make sense even though it's, they're telling us that they're set at quarterbacks right now would be the Chargers. You know, I know they're saying, look, Taylor Taylor's going to be our guy. Mm-hmm. Tyrod Taylor is the quarterback here. I still think that maybe they do that and draft somebody and maybe they're happy with the quarterbacks they're looking at to draft at six. Then they think maybe these guys would be closer to ready than we're thinking they will be. Um, but I think that offense, too, sort of a, a mix of the downfield stuff with some RPO, with some quick game, um, would be a good fit for Cam do. But I do like Washington. I think that's probably the best fit for him, whether it happens or not, remains to be seen.
0: Yeah, because we all know how Daniel Slender feels about Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. I just think the situation yeah. for him would be best is to sit. Or I, I mean, We all thought that coming out. Everybody that followed him thought he should sit on the bench for a little bit. Even Jake Gruden wouldn't even hesitate to put him in. So uh i think if he just sits and regroups he'll be fine because he has a talent uh i just think <clears> he needs <throat> to sit back and learn the system a little bit more have cam show him out done too as a former mvp so i i love it there but before we start talking about because we're already going 30 minutes into this wow <laughs> we could just talk forever i swear but there we go before we go into the last because we're going to talk about the justin herberts and the tuas and the burrows of the world but I know you go on Bleeding Green and you have a show talking with KISS, so Eagles fans are already going to be familiar with you. I have, I would be bewildered not to talk to you about this right now. The Eagles get Darius Slay. I think that's a good move. I know that a lot of people are looking at his age and thinking, well, that's not really what the picture Howie Roseman painted, but I don't think Howie Roseman painted this picture that we're going to go young because you look at the year prior, he extended Brandon Graham without hesitation. Now, they're, they have no choice but to cle- keep Malik Jackson due to his contract, and he's going up there. Uh, you go out and sign Javon Hargate, which is I think is the most one of the most underrated free agent acquisitions, especially with what he's going to be able to require to do in this defense. But you get Darius Slay, and I think a lot of people question what the direction is there because of the age, but to me, I think this is a great move. You get the number one corner you desperately needed. I know you got rid of Malcolm Jenkins, but I think you just put a price tag of what you value at that role and Jalen Mills' contract proved that to you since he's going to be essentially his replacement right now. Uh, but what do you think about Darius Slay?
3: I think it's a great move for Philadelphia. I know a lot of people are sort of wondered about you know, Darius Slay had a down year last year, whether it's you know, PFF graded or whatever. But this is somebody that thrives sort of at the catch point, and he thrives with that ability to sort of click and close at the, at the cornerback position. You know, Obviously, when you look at him on film last year, you know, he had a pick six against Arizona, had a couple of other plays in that Arizona game, some of his other games last year. He shows that ability to sort of play an off-technique, off-coverage, read the quarterback and the receiver at the same time, drive down to the catch point, and disrupt the receiver and the football at that catch point, and sometimes make plays on the football. That fits extremely well with what Jim Schwartz asks his corners to do. You know, anybody that studied the Eagles and Jim Schwartz, you know, sometimes it has got those guys on an island, but in off technique and give it a bit of a cushion, letting stuff happen in front of them, ask them to come up and make tackles, disrupt things at the catch point, not get beaten deep over the top. You know, we all know it makes you sometimes susceptible to that double move because you want to bite down on it, making sure you're going to get there and then you get caught out of position. But Slay thrives in that technique. Slay thrives in that sort of off alignment. And so I think this is a perfect fit for what Jim Schwartz asks his cornerbacks to do. And so, look, I just got done writing the piece over for USA Today Touchdown Wire on 13 different players that are going to thrive in their new environment. You know, whether it's like a guy like Teddy Bridgewater or a guy like Kyle Van Noy or a guy like, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. And Slay was on that list for me because I look it up, I watch the film again, watch some more from this morning, seeing how he was used in Detroit when he was at his best. And it fits so well with what Jim Schwartz asks his corners to do. So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this.
0: Well, yeah, so I was watching Darius Slay film too. So what I gathered from last year was, in the last two years, to be honest with you, this is not Matt Patricia's type of corner. Or something's wrong yeah. there. I don't think they were using him to his best ability. I think he was performing while being uncomfortable. And, of course, the hamstring injury happened last year too. But you mentioned Jim Schwartz. I mean, this is the corner he drafted. Like, yeah. he drafted Darius Slay in the NFL. So we we know what we're getting I mean, at least the defensive coordinator knows what he's getting in this corner. They pursued him hard. To me, getting rid of Jenkins is saying, I don't value him in his role anymore at the price tag he's demanding. We can get that production, because they obviously believe Jalen Mills can do this, or they don't make this move.
3: I'm going to be interested, Connor, to see Mills make this transition on a consistent basis, you know, to make that transition to safety spot. But you don't move on from a Malcolm Jenkins without the belief that you've got the guy in house and Jalen Mills to replace him. You know, and Mills certainly had some struggles at times, but, you know, perhaps this is a role that he's better suited to run. And so, you know, I, I think you sort of trust that the people in the building know what they're doing. And getting Darius Slay, I think is going to help. So I do think he's a much better fit for what they're doing schematically.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, I mean, I, Malcolm Jenkins is a great player. I. It, to me, I think a lot of people are like, well, they got rid of him because of age. No, I think it really was just they didn't value what he asked for through what they made him do last right. year. Because, so, again, he played 399 snaps in the box. That was the most he played in any snaps, any position on the field. It, clearly, they think Jalen Mills can do this. It'll be interesting to see because I, I, part of me thinks he can, and then part of me thinks, oh, it's Jalen Mills. So right. we'll see how it goes. But I, I love it. And then, I mean... You got Yannick out here teasing us now, putting a bunch of – Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about that. I've seen – I mean, I've seen the him do that for the Giants too. Uh, I've heard people talk about the Jets being in on him. Uh, I mean, what a defensive line though. That would be fun to think about.
3: That would be an incredible defensive line putting Yannick up front with those guys, man. I mean, hard on the inside, which I also think is a massive acquisition too. Yeah, that would be tough.
0: If people, I mean, we don't have enough time to keep going over this, but if people really understood that Hargrave, because when you watch, I pegged him as the most underrated player in the 2016 draft. Because when you watch his motor on film, back when he was in college, that was a guy that you could tell would be a threat as an interior pass rusher. And then you look at what he did in in Pittsburgh, he wasn't really asked to do that as much. He, I mean, he had four sacks this year. I think he had around 360 pass rushing snaps. It wasn't, the year before, he had seven, and he even had way less pass-rushing snaps. I think he had 253. So you're, you're looking at a guy who's going to go into Jim Schwartz's defense and just be told to attack, 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 probably see a double of those pass-rushing snaps. This is a guy who can get 10 sacks in a season. I right. fully believe that. I don't think people really – they really underestimate this guy's motor. Yeah, No, I think that's exactly
3: right. And, you know, I know people have wondered about the change from, you know, uh, a 3 4 where he's more of a nose to you know more of a 4 3 might be more of a, a 3 technique at times. Just watch him on film, watch him, him back to college. Like he's gonna handle the transition fine, don't worry about
0: it. Yeah, I'm not even worried. So let's finish off talking about the quarterbacks real quick. The best fits you think for these college quarterbacks because you, you seem like you already have them off the top of your head. Uh, we all know Burrow's going to Bengals, let's not even waste our time with that. Uh, and I do like. I think Burrow and Zach Taylor are gonna work. I think Zach Taylor needed a qu- more decisive, quick, quick thinking quarterback like Burrow. I think it's gonna work out. I think a lot of people are not talking about that as much, just because we all know that he's gonna go there. But uh, Tua, it's interesting because you think the Chargers, and then you look at some other teams like, hey, maybe the Redskins aren't sold on to Win Haskins since that was a little bit of a rumor. I mean, obviously that's BS. And then you look at the Dolphins. I mean, there's, now the Dolphins are looking even stronger a little bit now, too. I think a lot of people are like, well, they're making all these free free agent acquisitions. That's not how you build your team. But, I mean, they didn't sign bad players. And then they signed... Most of the players they signed already have history of buying Flores, so he knows how to use them. Yeah. Uh, Tua there looks stronger now, I think. I think this all these free agent moves is you signaling <laughs> we're going to trade up and get Tua and make sure we get him.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think Tua would definitely fit schematically in what they're going to be doing. You know, you get Chan Gailey, obviously a guy that brought the split spread offense to the NFL, and so mm-hmm. there's going to be, you know, some familiarity there. You know, I do think that if, if you're looking from Tua's perspective and the best fit for him, I almost would say Carolina. And now I know, look, they just sort of signed Teddy Bridgewater, so you don't expect them to go quarterback early in this draft. But if you're just looking at it from Tua's perspective and how he plays the position and the offense that he's familiar with – there's a lot of similarities between what they're going to be doing under Joe Brady and what Tua was doing under Steve Sarkisian. You look at a lot of sort of RPO type stuff with some quick, easy reads, guys run into space, things like that. I think that would be a good fit. But Miami works too. I mean, when you look at the offense that they're putting together, when you look at how they're going to be, you know, using the spread, using the RPOs, you know, getting the ball out of the quarterback's hands quickly, you know, trying to maximize yardage after the catch you know, that's still to his game as well. And so, yeah, I think both of those teams fit for
0: him. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater suffered the fate of becoming Sam Darnold's backup real quick. So, yeah. I mean, it, it could happen. I know the money's ridiculous, but, I mean, it's it, you're you're signing a free agent quarterback. That's what you expect. I mean, right. Joe Brady and Teddy yeah, Bridgewater. Yeah, yeah, go ahead.
3: I mean, you might be looking at Bridgewater as your guy now, uh, but I don't think it precludes you from a guy two years from now. And right. so, especially if you're looking at, you know, Tua is somebody that might be sort of a medical redshirt. Uh, you are going to need somebody this year. And, True, yeah. You know, that's this good... is more from Tua's perspective. I think now Carolina probably goes a different direction, which leads us to Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it would work in Miami, too.
0: So I, I've really just said Justin Herbert to the Chargers since, I mean, that's what everybody that i talked to that was at the combine, and now I'm talking to you. So we'll see how you feel about it. Thanks, Justin yeah. Herbert, to the Chargers is a lock.
3: Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, and, you know, with the fact that they're saying that they're going to roll out Tyron Taylor makes you think, look, they're looking at Justin Herbert and they think he could play right away. And, you know, you're looking at in this Chargers offense, you know, their new offensive coordinator, somebody that's in that sort of Coriel coaching tree, like he dates back to Rod Chudzinski, who was obviously a Coriel disciple. You know, the thing with Justin Herbert that stands out, of course, is the arm talent, the ability to make some downfield throws, some... Back shoulder throws and the vertical passing game, you know, using leverage and things like that. I think that the Chargers will be a perfect offense for him. I think it's an offense he could run quickly. You know, maybe he's not ready to start week one, but he's probably ready to start, say, week six, week seven. So, yeah, I think you could probably pencil or even put pen in, you know, when you're filling out your, your mock draft, however, to the Chargers at six.
0: I agree there, and I, I do think he will do well to Anthony Lynn, and now he's actually going to have weapons. He's hard to evaluate because yeah. you watch him on film, and, I mean, I know how he is on pressure. Uh, he, he reminds me of Goff cow on when he gets pressured. Yeah. But, I mean, he, he didn't have the weapons at Oregon, and then you got Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Mike Mike Williams. Uh, yeah, totally different story there now. So I w- it's fun to project him, how he's going to be the next level. But Jordan Love, I think Saints now. I mean, there's a couple other teams you could throw in there, but I would like to see him with Sean Payton after Drew Brees steps down.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that's an ideal situation with Jordan Love. You know, I think before they made this trade and this move, I think Indianapolis was going to be a good situation Mm -hmm. for Jordan Love. I think wherever Love ends up, the thing that matters most for him is that proven track record of quarterback development. You know, because I think when you get to, say, Love and Easton, now that's where the true track record of developing quarterbacks is going to matter. And so I look at guys like Frank Reich, like Sean Payton, like Bruce Arians, like guys that have shown that they can develop and groom quarterbacks and, you know, coach them up a bit in this league. That's where Love's going to need to go. I think he's a very scheme-diverse quarterback. I think he can run vertical stuff. I think he can run quick game stuff. I, I'm not concerned from a X as an X's and O standpoint. It's more that coaching standpoint, which is why I think, like you said, Connor, like New Orleans makes a ton of sense. Some of those other teams like Tampa Bay, Indianapolis, uh, not that they would do it, but Philadelphia. like Teams like that that yeah. are sure they can you know, coach up a quarterback, they make sense for right him.
0: We talked about Jacob Beeson. Uh, Tampa Bay, Indianapolis, you can yeah. go on. Yeah. We talked about Jake Fromm. You described him pretty well. So let's just end it with Jalen Hurts because I think a lot of yeah. I, I, everybody knows his name. I I would like Oakland. I think him and John Gruden can yeah. do something. Tennessee is another team that I could really see him and Arthur Smith growing together and replacing Tannehill because to me that contract is we need Tannehill for two seasons and then we got somebody else that can come in. Uh, so I could see him sitting behind doing that. Uh, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the Raiders make a ton of sense. Um, you know, when you, when you look at where uh, Jalen Hurts is as a quarterback, how he's developed over the past couple of years. Um, the strengths to his game. I think Tennessee is almost an ideal situation for him because um, he wouldn't have to play right away. You wouldn't expect him to, um, so he can sort of develop. You know, the things that he needs to work on, say some accuracy issues, it's a process and speed issues, and you have time to do that. You know, I look at believe it or not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you know when I was watching Hurts down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl and watching his throwing session with the Combine. I'm coming around to the idea of Hertz as more of a, a downfield passer or a vertical-based passer. He Agreed. throws with touch pretty well, um, drops into the bucket really well. And so I look at, you know, when you look at Tennessee, you can figure some shot plays off of play action to take advantage of that. But I think Bruce Aries in that vertical-based offense would be uh, an environment where he could sort of thrive and really cater to his strengths as a passer right now while filling in some of the other stuff around it, And so... You know, all these teams make sense, Vegas, you know, Tennessee, you know, Tampa Bay. But the rise of Burrow is real, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think the rise of Hertz is real too. You know, I think he's really shown over this sort of pre-draft process, you know, that he's trended in the right direction. A lot of people, you know, say before the senior bowl were thinking he's a day three guy. He's probably played himself into the second round now. And what's interesting in the strange environment we're in right now. He's coming off a great performance at the Combine. You know he crushed it when he met with teams. You know people are going to love him from a, you know, a character perspective. So he's on a high note right now. And now with things getting sort of locked down before the draft, a lot of people's like, lingering memories of the draft process of the Combine are going to be how uh, well Jalen Hurts did. And so what it surprised me to see come you know, day two of the draft, he comes off the board at like 44, 45, 46, not at all. And if we get a crazy scenario where quarterback we're not thinking leaks into the first round, somebody comes up maybe into the back of the first round to get that fifth year option, and they do it for Jalen Hurts, wouldn't surprise me at all.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me there because he does have the tools. It's really just developing him, yeah. and his footwork, and uh, reading the defense. If he gets those, if you got a coach that can fix that with him, he's going to be a starting quarterback in this league. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. I love yep. his Oklahoma so, film. It's so enjoyable. Marsh Schofield, NFL Wire Sports Media, USA Today Sports Media Group. I greatly appreciate you coming on, my man. We had a great conversation. It was long, but we got everything covered. I think people are going to love it.
3: I think so, too, Connor. It's always, always great to talk to somebody that knows what they're talking about. You do such great work. Um, you you know, a big fan of what you're doing. Uh, thanks for having me on, man. I, I try to enjoy the strange days we're living in, and it's been a blast.
0: appreciate it, my man. Be safe.
3: You too, man.
0: Swapping out Teddy Bridgewater to Cam Newton to me and telling – I, I don't know if a lot of people remember this, but Teddy Bridgewater originally when he was on his way back to the NFL was the Jets. Mm-hmm. He signed with the Jets first in free agency. And then they went ahead and drafted Sam Darnold anyways right away and told Teddy Bridgewater they were going to start Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. I don't know, back then, to tell you it was under the impression he was going to be a starting quarterback for the Jets. I don't know what the process was when he signed with them. I thought that's what he would think, that he was going to go in and at least compete for a job, not be there for a couple months. Right. Have them be like, well, all right, you were here just in case we didn't get the quarterback. Now we're going to trade you, and then go be the Saints backup for a couple years. I think he wants to be a starter at this point, and he, like we said on He got that last, starter money. He did get starter money. He got three years sixty-three billion. But so did Sam Bradford. Mm-hmm. And so does some couple other bridge quarterbacks. So because you look at the Panthers and what they're doing, it kinda looks like they're rebuilding.
1: Oh, big but time.
0: How do you how does Teddy Bridgewater be convinced that's what I don't know. I guess his market money on been – We heard with the Bears. We heard with So that's why it goes back to my Bears' opinion, though. If the Bears were interested in him but told him we still are hoping for Mitch to be successful here, but we're gonna sign you just in case and he turns that down and goes to the Panthers, you think that he wants to be a starter then, and, that, and he wants to be the starter. Uh, he has – Joe Brady was on the Saints staff mm-hmm. uh, a year before with Teddy Bridgewater, not this past season, but the year before. So he has a connection with Teddy Bridgewater, and that's what some people are quickly to make. But I know some other people are talking about, oh, they are going to go ahead and draft maybe Justin Herbert now or get a quarterback in this draft? Does Teddy Bridgewater be convinced to sign that then?
1: I don't know. It's don't weird because, like, you and I talked about Teddy potentially going to Tampa on the first episode. And right. I think that could have potentially been in the cards. And then once he kind of realized that there was a chance for him, for Tom to go to Tampa, that's when we started kind of trickling out Teddy's going to the, the Bears. And then, like you said, you know, the Bears could have been like, "Hey, we still believe in Mitch," and then he pivoted and and went to the to the Panthers,
0: right? Because you're guaranteed, I mean, in the meantime, a starting job. Because I don't think he changes your draft plans drastically, but the money they're paying him, the uh, you have to already tell him right away, hey, we're getting rid of Cam. Mm-hmm. We called you up. We're interested. We want you back with Joe Brady. Here's my theory on this it's crazy theory. That's why I want to bring it up now before because th- this is just me shooting stuff off. Matt Rule, Joe Brady, where were they last year? College. Who Joe Brady saw Trevor Lawrence. Yep.
1: That Matt Rule my knew exact him from afar.
0: Thought. Matt Rule knew him from afar. If they're both college coaches who got huge contracts with the Panthers.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Long term. Do you think, like, hey, Teddy, come in and start for this this year, and if it works out, it works out. But if not, we're drafting Trevor Lawrence.
1: Yep. That was my exact thought, dude. Like, Trevor Lawrence has to be the guy in the Panthers, like, long-term view.
0: I think I think we need to revisit this. We need to revisit this episode. <laughs> if it happens, you heard to, it here first. <laughs> not even that. If they tackle – if they draft an offensive tackle – or defensive tackle with their first round pick. That means they are definitely going in on making the team now, See oh, what yeah. they can do with Teddy Bridgewater, and hope for the best. If not, okay, we'll go all in on Trevor Lawrence, get him. I mean, that's what it looks like. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just, it's a bit bonds. That was my
1: um, exact thought, dude. I was like, they're going to wait this year out because they're not going to be. Look
0: at their contracts? I, Matt Rule got like a seven year
1: contract.
0: Yeah. Kyle Shanahan got a six-year deal with the 49ers when he first got hired. Mm-hmm. Some teams are really saying, taking a step back, looking at their team saying, we're not close. We need to build to get there. Maybe that's what the Panthers are doing. I, I don't know, because Teddy Bridgewater's deal is an average starting quarterback's contract. Yeah. So it's not like they overpaid him or like committed to him with that deal. It's an average starting quarterback's contract. Three years. Average money for a starting quarterback. It's not that's not singling, we won't draft a quarterback this year, certainly not singling, they won't draft one next year. Uh,
1: And then that final year, they can move on from Teddy if need be. Or,
0: yeah, they can. We should deep dive into his contract to see what the ins and outs are. But uh, I don't know if all the terms were released yet, anyways, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't think they – I don't think this puts – I think they told Teddy, because I just can't see Teddy being sold on this. You just went through that situation with the Jets. You n- proved last year that you can win games in this league with the Saints. Yep. You played well. I I want to prove I can be a starter at this point. I don't want to take a, a spot where I have to compete with somebody or have to – I mean, he's – I don't want to say compete, but at least have to, like, be blindsided like I was with the Jets. That's all I'm going with with that. But – let's just move on now and break into like the, the really, really big trade. That's going to be a head scratcher on both of our ends is the Deandre Hopkins trade from the Texans. To the Man. Cardinals. Man. I was dumbfounded. I think it's pretty telling about Deandre Hopkins market though, lately with everything that's coming out now. And in the like, cause I read Ed Warner tweet saying that the Cardinals offer for Deandre Hopkins was the best, that the Texans received.
1: But you also now, have to take that with a grain of salt because Bill O'Brien's running the show, and how much can you, you know, kind of take from Bill O'Brien with that being the best offer? We've seen right, him get I mean, fleeced over and over again.
0: Right, that Clowney trade was awful. Right. The Tunsell trade was get awful. To get the max value. Uh, I mean, Adam Shester went on 97.5 and said they engaged with the Eagles for him. It just didn't happen. Now, uh, reportedly, DeAndre Hopkins wants to sign an extension for 18 to $20 million per year. Obviously, with Amari Cooper getting $20, 20 million per year, DeAndre Hopkins is going to hit the 20 mark, if not a little bit more. And the Cardinals are going to give it to him because they have a ro- quarterback on a rookie contract, Fitzgerald's year-to-year. And they have a bunch of wide receivers that are on a rookie contract. So he's going to get the money from the Cardinals. And it made sense why the Cardinals went after him. But David Johnson is a second round pick. Man. That's a salary dump on the Texans part.
4: You it can't spin it as anything
0: absurd. else. because David Johnson is done. That is a that is name value for people nowadays. He is done. He, he's done. He's shot. Running backs that take this much as much injuries as he has are not coming back from that. That it's was a complete so salary dump for a team that had no draft picks. That team has barely any draft picks. They did not max value on DeAndre Hopkins. I think people negotiate with Bill O'Brien and laugh.
1: Dog, they went into I... that trade without a first round pick and came out of that trade without DeAndre Hopkins and without a first round pick.
0: They let, I mean, Clowney's market right now proves to see what teams actually think of him. So maybe no, team, especially when you saw what Frank Clark and D Ford were traded for last yeah. year. Clowney wasn't going to get you a first round pick. Cuz I think a lot of people are like, wow, they had Clowney and they didn't even get a right. first out of it. That situation was he wanted to be paid top dollar. They had a lot of guys they're paying right now. They did have to trade him. Now, they got absolutely nothing for him though. So, they didn't trade him for the best value. They got like a third round pick, Varkis Mingo, and another player. Yeah. Uh, it was, so, it like it was so, still a bad not, trade. It was a bad trade. They could at least got what did they got for uh 49ers traded for D4, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, unbelievable, unbelievable on the Texans' side. Uh, I mean, you, I don't even know how you sell this to your franchise quarterback, Deshaun Watson, anymore. He's got to be
1: fuming.
0: Let's go into it how apparently all these reports are coming out that Bill O'Brien hated DeAndre Hopkins having his baby mothers around. Uh, he compared him to Aaron Hernandez – and allegedly, That's...
1: DeAndre Hopkins has refuted this since, but it was out there. You know, I don't think uh, Michael Irvin would just throw this out of thin air.
0: Here's my thing. I don't know if he would either. But here, my thing is, I, I like it's a football podcast. I like to talk about everything NFL, but I'm going to go back in time to an Eagles situation when. Chip Kelly just fought out a release to Sean Jackson and everything came out about gang ties, and that's why he did it. I don't think that's why he did it. I think that was the media driven agenda because this wasn't really the explainable of why they did it. Chip Kelly thought he was paying Sean Jackson too much and that he could replace him and replace his speed and everything, produce, really replace his production. He didn't think he had to pay him that much, that he was wanting to be paid. The gang ties is was really media driven that I do. I think Sir Kelly was a good personality to get along with. No, I don't. Well, I don't think the whole reason why he was like, you're out of here is because gang gang affiliations that were he was accused of by the media. I. Again, I mean, this is. I don't know. I don't, I'm don't. i not personally there. I don't know that situation either. I wasn't personally there, but this is just my, my view on it is they didn't want to pay DeAndre Hopkins $20 million per year, and they want to extend Deshaun Watson soon and pay him, and they think that if they can go into this draft and get a wide receiver, uh, they still have Will Fuller, they signed Randall Cobb, Kenny uh, Stills, I believe, is still there as well. Uh, I think they just didn't want to I I think he wanted Bill Bryan is a guy who he thinks he can replace people and just plug other people in and get the same production like Chip Kelly was and that's gonna be both that it was Chip Kelly's downfall and that's gonna be Bill O'Brien's downfall this year because this move's gonna backfire.
1: Oh, a thousand percent. It's it's a terrible move regardless of you know anything any way you cut it. Trading DeAndre Hopkins especially for what they got back was a horrendous move and Texans fans should just not show up to the stadium. We already know that organization's a complete disaster from top to bottom. And if I'm Deshaun Watson, I am fuming because he's a guy that relies on, you know, chucking the ball deep. And who is one of the best guys to throw to in the NFL? DeAndre Hopkins. And now he's going to be catching passes from Kyler Murray. And that's scary in its own right. But Deshaun Watson has to be absolutely beyond frustrated with the Texans organization right now. A little bit of breaking oh, yeah. news, Connor. Uh, former Ravens nose tackle Michael Pierce is close to agreeing uh, to a three-year deal with the Minnesota Vikings, according to Josina Anderson.
0: Yeah, they have that, if anything, them spending money at this point makes me think that Anthony Harris is definitely going to be traded, and I believe he'll be traded to the Browns if I had to peg him to go anywhere. I know he's been like there already. But, I, I mean, they if they're going to be spending money at this point, I know you got rid of Diggs and all that, but it doesn't look like Anthony Harris is in their plans, but I think he's going to end up going to the Browns. Uh, he's been linked there, but Michael Pierce, is. That's I mean, that's a great addition. Uh, they thought Linneville Joseph was on the decline. Uh, they really value their defensive lineman up front against the run, and then you got one of the best nose tackles in Pierce against the run, now, so it makes sense why they added them. They just wanted to upgrade against their run. They they wanted to upgrade their defensive line against the run, and they did that with getting Pierce. I like that move. But again, going sticking to the the Texans of DeAndre Hopkins trade, uh, you, you really can't make sense of it, especially after you see what the Vikings were able to get back for Stephon Diggs. Uh, David, I don't. I know they needed a running back, but. If they're convinced that they're gonna get something on David Johnson, Bill O'Brien is definitely getting fired after this year. I already think so, but I mean, he should have been fired exactly. yesterday. Honestly, it's it's uh, bad in Houston. Look, I get I get not playing, not wanting to pay DeAndre Hopkins twenty a year at this point. Uh, I mean, I don't from the Texas point of view, but because I, I, a lot of, you would think more teams would be in on this no matter what. A thousand kind Yeah. I know there were some reports that he was he was on the trade block, but this kind of really it, those reports came out, and then like an hour later, he was traded to the Cardinals.
1: Absolutely so,
0: insane. Good for Kyler Murray. Good for Kyler Murray. That's all I gotta say. Kyler, Kyler Murray's Murray,
1: got weapons, bro. He's got weapons.
0: He's gonna be good too. I like Kyler Murray. So DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, and Isabella. Uh, they have the King Butler. On his way back from injury, I don't really know if he's going to be an afterthought at this point now with all the receivers they have, but what a crew.
1: Kenyon Drake is back, I believe, too.
0: Yeah, they put a transition tag on him. That offense is going to make some noise, and I wrote last year that Cliff Kingsbury has a chance to be one of the next offensive gurus in this league, and I think after you see the the leap that Kyler Murray is going to take this year with DeAndre Hopkins now, you're going to see why. Now it's just down to getting him O line. Yeah, start protecting your quarterback. They got to go offensive tackle in this draft. They got to get a right tackle. But moving on to the Vikings and Stephon Diggs situation, like we just mentioned earlier, Uh, first round pick to the Bills. Excuse me, the Bills gave them a first round pick. Mm Wow, that's all. That didn't come out of nowhere though. Uh, We, you heard it from the beginning that Diggs was missing practice. They didn't want to be there. Diggs has kind of been character. on the trade
1: block since, like, September.
0: Right. They had issues. So, we don't need to really get into all that. We're trying to actually not make the episode super long like we did last time. But I'm glad you all sucked through it and enjoyed it. I got a lot of good feedback on it.
1: And but- I, th- I think the, the overall, you know, uh, conclusion to Diggs being traded was the Vikings gave Kirk Cousins more money. And yeah. we all know the relationship there wasn't great, and Diggs finally got his way out.
0: think it replaced Diggs, to be honest with you, with this draft class. Agreed. Uh, I mean, he's a great wide receiver of his own. He's one of the best route routers in the league. Uh, I like him with Josh Allen just because of the deep ball. I think his deep ball accuracy will improve with a wide receiver of Stephon Diggs' talent there. Uh, Because the numbers are off on his deep ball accuracy. He has been known to be a little inaccurate down the field. But I think when you have a wide receiver of this talent, you'll be able to improve those numbers a little bit. But it was a little rich to give up. It is a little much for Diggs, I think. Second and fourth, I would have been on board with. Uh, First, I mean, it was pick 22. So, I mean... They had to they had to get Josh Allen a number one wide on receiver. They had mm-hmm. to. They struggle they were struggling to do it for years. They were desperate. I get it. But the Vikings did take advantage of them for their desperate need there. Uh but Dix is gonna be good. I think I think he will still maybe not perform on the same level, but at least close to his numbers in Buffalo. Just I hope you have to hope Josh Allen takes a more a bigger leap this year. But we'll go into that even a little bit more later with Johnny Kinsley, uh when we discuss with him.
1: And, I mean, that offense now also has weapons. Like, we saw John Brown finally, you know, emerge into being John Brown. You add Stephon Diggs to that, Cole Beasley in the slot, and
0: – Kevin Knox at tight end. He's yeah, also like,
1: Knox was great at tight end with Josh Allen. Um,
0: Devin Singletary in the back. Singletary
1: going to be fully healthy. I, I really like the Bills offense now, and I'm not the biggest Stephon Diggs guy, but I think he adds another element to that offense, and they're going to be a lot of fun, and without Tom Brady in the AFC East, you got you got to at least say watch out for the Bills' offense, and their defense is legit.
0: Oh yeah, their defense is really good. They made some... Vernon Butler and uh, Ed Oliver together, I like that. I think that's going to make some noise. Uh, they They improved the defense a good amount. They're going to be fun to watch next year, but Philip rivers going to the Colts. That's one prediction we got right, but I nailed that much. one. Yeah. I think majority of people did too. So I'm not going to pat myself on the back for that one, but, uh, I like it one year, 25 million. Perfect.
1: Perfect, Perfect. bridge
0: play it year by year. Uh, at this point, I know there's reports that Philip rivers told teams that he didn't want them to pick his successor in the draft, but, uh, with that kind of contract, you can. Yeah. Uh, and maybe Brissett is a trade target for the Patriots now to reunite with Belichick.
1: That's very true. Maybe.
0: So I don't think this takes you out of the – I mean, they obviously traded pick 13 to DeForest Button and we'll get into that right after we start talking about – stop talking about Phil Rivers. But uh, I like it for T.Y. He Phil Rivers finally gets an offensive line where he doesn't have to feel like he has to get the ball out immediately, which will cut down the turnovers a little bit. I think he still has a little bit to give you. Uh, they have Doyle over there tight end who's also a, a good weapon. Uh, the I mean, you have to think in, in the second round they're going to add a wide receiver, maybe even in the third in this class. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Marlon Mack's a great running back in himself too. Uh, Nakeem Himes is going to love Phil Rivers because he's a good pass catching back, and Phil Rivers is one of the best quarterbacks in throwing out to the, the, outs of the running back real quick. Uh, yeah, I like it for the Colts. He's back with Frank Wright. We discussed it last week. They brought Costanzo uh, back. Them. They're gonna, they're, they're. Don't sleep on the Colts this year. I think the Colts can make a run in the AFC Championship.
1: They just need to continue bolstering that defense. That's been because, one of their big issues, and if they can get defensive line help, I think uh, it'll really, really improve that team.
0: Well, getting to Forrest Buckner now, completely worth it. Completely worth the 13th pick. You got a young, star-studded defensive tackle to add to that line. It's going to improve it immensely. They still need help on the edge. Uh, but, I mean, with Clowney's market starting to dwindle, maybe they lo- – I don't know. They just paid Rivers. They just got Buckner and gave him a huge contract. But if you're looking around and you see Clowney's market deteriorating even more.
1: Buckner and Clowney. Maybe you around there. Woo! Yeah,
0: because that defense is – I mean, they have Darius Leonard, one of the best mm-hmm. linebackers in the league now. I like what the Colts are doing. They look like they're going to compete. Uh, We'll see what they do in the draft. But that team, don't don't count them out for an AC championship berth. I'll say that. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to think, whoa, whoa, did you see Rivers last year? Yeah, I did see Rivers last year. He did turn over the ball a lot. I did also see an offensive line that was incredibly leaky Mm -hmm. that got him destroyed. He's at the point in his career where if he's not going to be protected, he's going to turn the ball over. But I like it. I think Reich is going to get to him. He already knows his ins and outs. Nick Serena, the offensive coordinator, knows him well. Uh, it's just it's who you know in this league, really, and this is how deals develop. And I like Rivers back with Reich. Let's go into Byron Jones landing in Miami. Nobody saw that. uh I mean, some people linked him to the Dolphins. There's reports. I didn't see it coming, obviously. I thought it would come down to the Eagles and Raiders, like I said, on episode one. Uh, most pegged him to Philadelphia. Miami comes out of nowhere, signs him to the massive contract.
1: they are signing everybody down in Miami.
0: Yeah. Uh, here's the thing about a lot of Miami signings, because I think a lot of people are looking at them like, wow, they're making all these free agent moves. That's not how you build a winning team. The guys are signing, most of those guys – have played under Brian Flores in New England. Yeah. I mean, familiarity so matters. Yeah. So he knows what he's getting out of them. It's not like he's signing superstars or anything, but he knows what he's getting. He knows to play to those strengths already. So you, you can almost assume he's going to get close to the same type of production that he gave them in New England. Uh, Shaq Lawson, I think, will improve because you saw Taco Charlton at least improve a little Mm -hmm. bit, not much, but a little bit with Brian Flores' system. Uh, I think you will see the same with Shaq Lawson. We'll see. They made a lot of moves on defense, but Byron Jones and making him the highest-paid quarterback as it is right now, you signed Xavier Howard to this crazy extension last year. You make him the highest-paid corner. Now he is the second. And then you go ahead and sign Byron Jones. I don't know if it's the plan to have them as a duo to me – This kind of says, hey, you know, Howard's coming off injury. He had a domestic violence charge against him, but that was dropped. But it it was still –
1: It's still there.
0: Uh, We signed Byron Jones, gave him all this money. I don't know if we want to pay our quarterbacks this much, but you can. They're about to get a quarterback on a rookie deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not like they can't keep him, but, I mean, if you could trade him and get – another pick, because you're going to lose a bunch of picks if you move up for Tua. Uh, you could see Xavier Howard maybe be a trade candidate. I don't know. You could.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you tweeted to... that that I... yeah, Xavier deleted to... all of his uh, Dolphins-related stuff from his social media bios and stuff like that.
2: He
0: did, and then I did ask around, and I'm like, hey, let me just give a proposition to a couple people. Hey, do you think the Dolphins could trade Xavier Howard now? And a lot of people don't think so. They said that he, he's he gone through the Instagram thing before where he deletes their photos. Uh, it's just the timing of it when he did it, though, mm-hmm. is what gets me. So I, a lot of people don't think they will, but a lot of people don't know what this offseason has in hold for them anyways because nobody did. Nobody saw all these like, flurry of moves coming. That happened.
1: Yeah, nobody saw uh-huh. Miami literally signing <laughs> you know, a, a giant pool of the free agents because not only did they sign Byron Jones, they signed – Kyle Van Noy they signed Shaq Lawson they signed Jordan Howard they signed Kamu Grugier-Hill like they are literally building their roster through free agency
0: I mean they knew they uh, yeah I know it's it's hard it's really I mean the Jordan Howard contract makes no sense to me uh we had been all right said they were linked to Melvin Gordon I think Melvin Gordon priced him out of the range but then they went ahead and paid Jordan Howard a ton of money uh He's coming off an injury, too. I, I I don't blame the Eagles for not matching that contract. Yeah. Whatsoever. I would not have done that. Uh, again, I I don't know. You can't build a team through free agency. They have a ton of picks, but they're obviously expecting to lose some if they're going to make all these moves in free agency, And which even singles to me more that they're going to move up to number two and get to them. You're making all these moves in free agency. You're filling all these holes you have. Mm-hmm. When you have all these draft picks – that you can easily try to develop and fill those holes with. But you're doing this through free agency. That signals to me I'm gonna, we're going to trade up for Tua. We're not going to let anybody jump us because the Chargers now are in the quarterback market in the draft, for sure. Even
1: uh, though they're talking, you know, Tyrod's our guy, but we've seen that story uh, twice Tyrod's before.
0: A yeah, Tyrod's a bridge, no matter what. If they really do go with him, but I don't – yeah, no.
1: Boy. I would, you know – I would love to see Cam Newton with the Chargers.
0: They say they're not
1: going after anybody.
0: Which is weird. I, wonder, I mean, if you go after Cam Newton, here's the thing. Cam has been broken down with injuries. You know what he is when he's healthy. I worried he won't I, – I don't know. I think it's – here, here's my thought process on this Cam Newton because I want to go into that too. I think Cam Newton will be the Washington Redskins starting quarterback week one of the 2020 Whoa. season. that's a new I one. I think you're not trading for Cam Newton. I know because last week we're like, "All right, give it another year, try see what you got." A lot of teams are worried about the. From what I've gathered, and I don't want to say I talked to a lot of sources. I just talked to a lot of people in the media that they have sources. So I talked, I texted a couple people, and I said. You, what's up with Cam Newton? Like, why would the well, Why are the Panthers doing this? Because I just wanted to figure out like, why? What was people's opinions? Because I'm not saying that they were plugged in and they knew either. They just had their own opinions because they're writers. And their opinion was his injuries. He's taken on a lot of injuries, and I think a lot of people are worried that he can sustain a regular season now at this point in his career. So. Now that the Panthers have signed Teddy Bridgewater, they're not going to be able to trade Cam Newton. Especially on that contract. Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen. Teams know, all right, you're not going with Cam Newton going forward. So you're obviously going to get rid of him. And then you have Ron Rivera down in Washington, who I I don't I know I know Daniel Snyder is all in on Dwayne Haskins, and you can bring Cam Newton in to be the stopgap starter and still be in on Dwayne Haskins. You can you can approach this as Dwayne Haskins, who, yes, he does need to develop some more, sits on the bench, grooms a little bit, learns from a quarterback who's been successful with an MVP in this league, and then replace him later on because of the wear and tear that Cam Newton's gone through. I think if he does play on another team again, he's got, what, two years left. At, at Max, two years left in mm-hmm. this league, his body his body is starting to betray him. And anyways, I I honestly think Cam Newton will be the starting quarterback for the Washington Redskins week one of the 2020 season. I think Dwayne Haskins will be backing him up. Ron Rivera loves Cam Newton. Uh, you're not gonna. I don't think you're gonna give up anything for him because I really think they're gonna go ahead and just release him in Carolina. You move down in this draft a little bit and give Miami 2 You still put yourself in the Jeff Okuda-Chase Young range still. It, it makes perfect sense. And I, I think Ron Rivera, if you bring Ron Rivera in, he's not going to want to wait and trust the process type to develop guys and win. He wants yeah. to win right away. So Cam to me gives them, in my opinion, with all the familiarity there, their best chance, because to me, Dwayne Haskins is not ready to start. He still needs a little bit of seasoning, and that was the knock on him coming out, is this is the kind of guy you want to have behind somebody in Groom, and Jake Groom obviously thought so, but that's what got him fired. Bill Callahan really had no choice. They were like, Bill, you're just the an media coach. We're putting this guy in. Deal with it. Ron Rivera, I think you can go into Daniel Sunder's office and say, hey, I'm all in on Dwayne. You hired me because I'm all in on Dwayne. Let's get Cam, though, and put Dwayne in a better position to learn, sit back, and develop for a little bit so he can eventually replace Cam and then be in a better situation than he is now. But, you know, just crazy thinking out loud. It's
1: an interesting take. It makes sense.
0: It's a take. It does make sense when you break it down, and I think people would say that, but if you're a Redskins fan, you're probably like, no, we're in on Dwayne. No. Haskins robust. We get it. I, I you dropped the quarterback at the first round, you want to see him right away. Absolutely. I completely understand that. But Dwayne Haskins is not there yet.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: the more I the, think about it, go the go more the best,
1: interesting it sounds and like intriguing best, it sounds.
0: The best game Dwayne Haskins looked like last year was against Philadelphia and him in Washington, and they still got beat to a crisp. Then Philadelphia's secondary, we already know, is the biggest weakness on that team. So I'm not gonna go ahead and crown somebody for throwing, for doing well throwing the ball against them. But that's why I see Cam Newton going. That's why I see it happening. I see Cam Newton up in Washington. I see Andy Dalton lining up in New England. I did see Chicago. Obviously, I was wrong. They went ahead and got Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. I tweeted that earlier. In the beginning of the month in you March, did. I said, "I heard that they were talking about trading Nick Foles." I was like, "Oh, Chicago about Matt Nagy," and they also have Bill Lazor there. Yeah, who, when Nick Foles went twenty-seven and two, was the quarterback coach.
1: And they're one Corey Clement away from being able to run the Philly special from their playbook now.
0: Yes, I saw that. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, you have to think at this point of this of what pre agency has shown us. Dolphins are trading up for a quarterback. Washington has an option to move back and also have a chance at a different starting quarterback next year mm-hmm. with what I'm preaching right now. Interesting. It's interesting. It's, it's fun to talk about. I love talking about football. That's why, that's why I had to do this podcast. I love it.
1: We had to make it happen.
0: That just popped off the top of my head. It's Cam Newton and Washington. It has to happen. So – a lot of the people that listen to us are Eagles fans, let's face it. Uh, it's an all-football podcast, no matter what. But I want to go into this because if I had to look over free agency yesterday, I would say the most underrated signing in free agency yesterday was Javon Hargate to the Eagles.
1: And he just tweeted a- uh, moments ago as we're recording this the Eagle emoji.
0: Nice. So – This is the type of guy where he's very versatile on the defensive line. That's exactly what the Eagles value. Uh, In Pittsburgh last year, he rarely was on the field to get pressure. They rarely used him to get pressure. So uh, I want to say, I'm looking it up right now, but I want to say, he was on the field for 368 snaps last year for pressure. Now, that's not a lot. He's looking at probably close to a little under 600 with the Eagles. Now, this guy can really rush the pasture. A lot of people don't realize that because of the scheme he was in Pittsburgh, which is also why he's multi talented. You're looking at a guy who they really hoped in Malik Jackson to be is what they're going to get. And Javon Hargrave. I I'm I, I'm glad the Eagles did not act in a way of saying we got Malik Jackson, we're good. Because no. Not the case, my friends. Not the case. Javon Hargrave was on the field for 373 pass rushing snaps last year. He had four sacks. The year before, he was on the field for 243 pass rushing snaps. And he had seven sacks. He wasn't asked to really rush the passer in Pittsburgh that much. But it's one of his best abilities. And he's coming into a 4-3 becoming that three-tech. Him and Fletcher Cox are going to dominate offensive lines. The interior of offensive lines. Malik Jackson, you can kick outside. You can move him all around. Obviously, that's what you do with Brandon Graham. You can do the same with Javon Hargrave. I love the move for the Eagles. I think you get this guy into a scheme that he hasn't been in yet, but he showed in college that he can play in, and get him to do his best ability in the NFL is rush the passer because people look at the numbers and the box score, the box score watchers look at these numbers and say four sacks, seven sacks, three sacks, two sacks in his four years in the NFL, not that impressive. It wasn't really asked to rush the passer.
1: Yeah, a lot of people I talked so- to they said it's very similar to when like Fletcher Cox was playing out of position in the uh, the three, four scheme. What happened as soon as the Eagles went back to a four, three, you saw Fletch get unleashed again and was an absolute monster. And I talked to a lot of Steelers fans. They said, this is an amazing signing. You guys are going to love Hargrave and you know, Eagles fans should be excited.
0: Yeah. My friends over at Steeler empire are singing his praises over there. And I, i I, I, I tweeted that he was going to be one of the most underrated but great prospects to come out of that draft in 2016. Uh, I was wrong about the other two. I said Kobe List would be in Keith Marshall, but uh, I was right about Javon Hargrave at least because I, I loved what I saw in his film. That was back when it was Jack Breakdown was around. I had to watch Javon Hargrave on there, and I I, I mocked him to the Eagles a lot when I was a young writer back then. Um, Yeah, I love it. It really – you really are looking at a Fletcher Cox mini light, I think, honestly. And to put them two together, it's going to be insane. Uh, again, I had a whole thread on him and how he just crushes the interior line and makes them fall back. I don't want to spend too much time on this topic, but I want to move on to the knock check he's releasing,
1: not oh, picking up his option. man.
0: Gone. My heart. Uh, My heart hurts. The reason why I'm going into this is because it's a topic. Because he just went to the Saints. He's so had a huge deal with the Saints.
1: Four years, $32 million. Could go up to $35 million. He got a $9 million signing bonus, and he has $16.25 of that contract guaranteed.
0: The Eagles clearly, because that contract they could have done, but they clearly do not value what Malcolm Jenkins brings to them at to that extent anymore. Because he really did play in the box more last year. Oh, he really, I mean, this is what they're thinking is, uh, in my opinion. I'm not saying this is the right move, because you, he really was your best tackler on this team, and now you look at the people, and you're you're looking at Jalen Mills coming back to replace him there, and uh, I mean, yes, I would say that Jalen Mills is best spot would be, I guess, I, I disagreed with it yesterday. Now I've had more time to adjust it and think about it more, and I guess you could say he would be best in the box. I I don't have a lot of faith. Let's just say that. So, Michael Jenkins was in the box for 399 snaps last year. That's the most out of all his snaps on the team. So he lined up most as a box safety last year. Free safety, he was there for 201 snaps Wide corner, he was there for 12 snaps. And slot corner, he was there for fifty six snap, snaps. So you see where they most valued him was that to be the in-the-box safety. And then you can see why they weren't going to pay him that much when you can get Jalen Mills back. Because they, they clearly believe Jalen Mills can do close to, maybe to the extent, but at least close to what Malcolm Jenkins can do in the box at a lower rate because they signed him for one year, five million max. So they clearly think that they can save money and go into this with J. Mills replacing Malcolm Jenkins. And you there, I, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what the plan is. Uh, their corner situation, it looks bleak, uh, missing out on Byron Jones. Uh, I, if you have to go into the draft and you need a corner, a linebacker, a wide receiver, I'm going to tell you, this looks rough. Uh, I guess at this point you have no chance, you no know, choice but to trade for Darius Slay. Like, I know people are pegging them to get Desmond Trufant too, with his history of manual. But uh, I'm not a huge advocate for that move. But if it happens, it happens. I could be proven wrong. I'm not a big fan of Logan Ryan either because I think he's just a nickel corner. And they have a ton again, of nickel corners. Yeah, and I don't think I don't. I don't think you make these decisions based on what you have now either, though, because I don't think LeBlanc is really – he's on a one-year deal. He played well, but he's still on a one-year deal going into the season. Uh, I think Maddox really is the only defensive back that they think long-term of because you look at McLeod, he got a two-year deal. Mills got a one-year deal. Uh, There's aren't long-term commitments. So they're clearly planning on rebuilding the secondary and going at a whole different approach with it is what it looks like to me. Uh, so, if they go get Slay, all right. If they go ahead and get one in the first round, all right. But then you're looking rough at wide it. I don't know. Eagles are it's, in a
1: bit of a mess right now.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I would, you would think they have a plan, though. I don't think you go into this letting Malcolm go and not have a plan. And I mean, another I interesting Will Parks at this time that we're recording this podcast on Wednesday. Uh, they have not signed Will Parks. Uh, I tweeted out that he, if they do sign him, because I was aware of the interest in him from what people were tweeting out, uh, that it looks like he's a Malcolm Jenkins replacement because he basically does everything Malcolm Jenkins does. So if they get him, then you you, you wonder if it's a competition between him and Jalen Mills and who a better man wins. I don't know. Uh, yeah, interesting stuff with the Eagles, but but you see what they they clearly looked at him as a box safety and did not value him at the price tag he was commanding and that's what led to this decision. We'll see if they're right or wrong by that. Because uh, they could they could be proven wrong and it's very likely they could. I, I don't want to say likely. It, but it's possible. Because, again, Malcolm Jenkins is your best tackler on your team. And now you're looking really rough in that area. Because
2: a lot of people are like, well,
0: doing those physical and Yeah, Jalen Mills can make tackles. Yeah, he can, but he also missed 31 tackles as a corner in his career. And that number is looking to pick up even more if he's going to be replacing Malcolm Jenkins' role, at least because it looks like Jenkins was in the box for 399 snaps. So you have to imagine Jalen Mills getting that same around area of snaps. But just to recap, that's what we thought. That's what I think of the Malcolm Jenkins release. Uh, Javon Hargrave, no bias involved in this, I promise because there's a lot of good moves that went down. It was it's hard to just make that statement, but to be he is the most underrated, under the radar free agent acquisition. I think he's gonna outplay that contract he signed with the Eagles for three years, thirty nine million. Uh, it, it, him and Cox, it's gonna be it's gonna be something to see. And, it, and hopefully you can squeeze something out of Malik Jackson because his contract this year ties you to him, so he has to be on the roster no matter why, at least this season. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, they're you know, Jim Swartz is all in on that defensive line. That's what the Eagles think that they can win with is their defensive line. Uh, so that's where the resources are going. You, But this linebacking crew, the safety crew, this defensive back crew. a little all sketchy. A little sketchy, but, Whew. man, what an episode, though. What an episode. <laughs> My guy Johnny Kinsley at Brick Wall Blitz, how's it going, man? I'm doing all right. Uh, pandemics
2: kind of, pandem- pandemics kind of gotten uh, a lot of people around me,
4: but I've been pretty uh, quarantined right now, so
0: oh, hanging man. in there,
4: hanging in there.
0: This is the perfect time to do a podcast, though. Really. Yeah. Ooh, we're all stuck inside <laughs> talking football. That's all good. Hey, at least I, this is the perfect time to come out with this episode. <laughs> I'm glad you're staying safe. A lot, man. News, a
4: lot of news, too.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. So, let's just get get right into it. What the hell are the Houston Texans thinking?
4: <laughs> what? You know, what? What? What are they thinking? Uh.
0: I mean. So, I understand. For let's just let's start out there. I understand if you don't want to pay DeAndre Hopkins twenty million per year at this point. I mean, it doesn't make sense, honestly, but. If, that's what, if you're doing it from a business side, fine. Fine. I hear you. But you traded in for David Johnson in the second round pick?
1: <laughs>
0: what? Stephon Diggs got the Vikings a first round pick and more picks. And, you know, we all know DeAndre Hopkins is better. So. Yeah. What, what, what did you think? What was your initial thoughts?
4: First off, I think Bill O'Brien should have been fired after the uh, divisional round game at Kansas City. You're Honestly, 21 to nothing early and have a chance to kick him in the throat on a fourth and short in their own territory. You take a field goal to go up 24 nothing, which is which is fine. You like you, 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 that's that's like they they have to score like eight to eight points on each of their three drives to even tie the game up. But why in the hell would you then proceed the fake punt on a 4th and four in your own territory then? That's the problem with O'Brien. Anytime there's an obvious solution for the Texans, he does the exact opposite. And this recent trade just confirms what I've always felt about him as a part of Houston. He's, he's constantly held them back from their potential. And as a result, they always settle between mediocre and slightly above average. I understand he won the AFC South in 2015 and 2016. Awesome. But that's good that's because he had deandre hopkins carrying the terrible quarterbacks his team was signing in the first place and he also played in one of the weakest divisions in the league and bingo he was terrible in, a, in both those years then you get an incredible talent of the shot watson who finally finally gives deandre hopkins an actual quarterback and you still managed to, to waste his career as well so <laughs> this trade is the absolute nail in the coffin and that brings me to the cardinals uh Obviously, C. Kime has come under a lot of criticism during his time as a GM, but he absolutely fleeced Bill O'Brien. Oh, Thomas, yeah. And it wasn't even close, like, like like, like you said. Like, are you kidding me? You're telling me we just have to give you a wash to David Johnson, who, by the way, is not even the best running
0: back. Not even just a wash running back. They paid his salary. Yeah. They're paying him. They're paying that contract. Exactly. They agreed to take on that contract. Exactly. Yeah,
4: not even the best running back. A second-round pick, a round pick and you give us a top five receiver and a fourth round pick, too. That's the thing. If O'Brien got a high return, like you said, then this would be a little understandable. But he doesn't even get a first-rounder for a team that's for, – for a receiver that's been a first-team All-Pro for three consecutive seasons. Three consecutive seasons being selected to Associated Press first-team All-Pro, which is absolutely absurd. But Houston's loss is Arizona's gain. Granted, the Texans – in my opinion do have an okay receiving corpse with uh, Will Fuller, whatever he's healthy Kenny Stills, Kiki Cutie
0: Randall Cobb yeah, now
4: yeah. and uh, yeah, Randall Cobb was supposedly a replacement for the under- <laughs> which isn't even close isn't even close but this is such a huge win for the Cardinals Kyler Murray is already one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league mm-hmm. how good I of a deep passer I think he is right now plus his ability to see the field in spite of you know his height and his ability to consistently make plays under both edge or interior pressure then you pair him up with DeAndre freaking Hopkins I think Arizona is another receiver in my opinion away from being set at that position that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be a Super Bowl team immediately since they have holes on the offensive line and the defense still but, to me, we're still going to see a huge improvement. I think Murray's going to take a big
0: step in here, too. And uh, they've, had, they, right? they've had the best offseason so far, in my opinion. I think a lot of people are talking about other teams, but I think they have. You get Hopkins. They're, they just got Devin Kennard. They signed Devontae Campbell. Their linebacker, yeah. Jordan Hicks, I mean, his coverage was god-awful last year, but he still got a lot of tackles. <laughs> I mean, Kyler Murray, to me, is what Drew Brees wished he looked like right away. Yeah. I mean... I, that's that's pretty bold to say, but I, I watch Kyler Murray, and I'm like, get this guy a legit... I mean, Larry Fitzgerald's legit, but we'll get this guy a legit number one wide receiver. Yeah. And he's going to go off. And then that's exactly what they did. Now, Ed Werner comes out and says, well, that's the best offer the Texans got for DeAndre Hopkins because nobody wanted to pay and give up draft compensation. Yeah. Well, that's all I'm like, okay, Ed, how much is Bill paying you? That's saving faith. No way. I mean, Adam Schefter did say on ninety-seven point five in Philadelphia that they engaged with the Eagles to see if they would take on Hopkins. They said the draft could, oh. draft pick compensation and the new contract wasn't enough worth it. Which, whatever.
2: Should have.
4: Been. I I I kind of I kind of disagree with that. I think that
0: they should have. Oh no! Come on! Yeah, no, they're just not trying to pay a wide receiver. That's yeah. they're they're wrong. They're wrong there. If you were to put Hopkins with Wentz, yeah, no. Yeah, they're like, they're like that, like that's,
4: they're, they're, they're sets, they're sets. They, they're, they're, they, are, they already have Ertz, they already have Goddard, they already have Sanders, who somehow was our, was their best vertical threats
0: all season 2019, and he's a rookie running back. It's right. amazing. It, it, yeah, I mean, I, well, that's a different conversation for another day because they were wrong. <laughs> they were wrong. But, I, I mean, yeah, you look at Arizona, and then even Chase Edmonds goes out, and is mocking the Houston Texans on Twitter for doing this deal. There's a Cardinals oh, okay. running back is every, mocking every him. One
4: of the, every one of the Cardinals is, yeah, every one of the Cardinals is roasting him. That that that, that atmosphere was hilarious.
0: Oh, I just don't get it. But, I mean, another move that I was, I mean, we didn't expect and I was scratching my head over is the Panthers coming out and saying, okay, Cam, get out of here. We're replacing you with Teddy. I mean, his market, I think, dwindled after the opportunity of Tom Brady going to Tampa was a possibility. I mean, Chicago? That
4: that, and I I, I, I think that post that Newton had on Instagram kind of exposed the Panthers and uh, also dwindled the uh, the trade opportunities he would have had.
0: Oh, yeah. No way. I don't even think they would have one now after they announced that Teddy deal. Oh, good luck. I think if I had, I mean, I talk about it multiple times the show, but I think Cam Newton's gonna get getting cut. I think Washington's gonna scoop him up and pitch it as a let's let Haskins sit on the bench for a little bit and groom type of thing, and have Cam be the starter. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We get, we just, it's just crazy that they switched to Teddy. I mean, I know Joe Brady has, uh, he already has. Uh, he's with he was with Teddy in New Orleans with the Saints, but. I mean again you still don't know if they won't go quarterback either cuz Teddy went to the Jets the one time and they got Sam Darnold and he wasn't really expecting yeah. that to happen. So I don't think it completely rules them out but you would think if Teddy's going to sign cuz they had interest from the Bears but to me with the Bears getting Nick Foles they were pretty much saying we still believe in Mitch we're hoping for the best but if we're if the worst happens we have Nick Foles. And I think that's what you pitch to Teddy too, if you try to sign him. And I'm sure that's not the situation you would want to go into after what he did with the Saints last year. If Carolina tells you you're going to be their starting quarterback, then he probably doesn't think anything else. Right. Uh,
2: I mean, for, the, for the, the the most part, I felt that can't do, and has been like
4: kind like kind of a top five caliber player at his position for a long time, and. When he wasn't quite as healthy, we saw the decision-making decline, which is obvious. We saw that in 2018. We saw that in the two games he played against the Rams and Buccaneers in 2019. The accuracy wasn't as strong as it used to be going mm-hmm. downfield. But in his prime, he was he was making those throws under extreme duress. And Personally, I've seen a few quarterbacks as, Poised under pressure, as accurate under pressure, and as accurate throwing the tight windows as Camden was in his prime. Combine that with the consideration that he was, in my opinion, the best running quarterback in football with incredible speed, vision, and elusiveness, and he was a complete quarterback in Charlotte. Now, Teddy Bridgewater, on the other hand, is an another quarterback that I, that I personally loved for a while, mostly for Minnesota. I always felt he was underrated there, dealing with arguably the worst offensive line of both the seasons with the team, uh, less experienced version of Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, I never thought he was really a great deep passer, but um, I mean, he, I, I, I like I thought he was really good under pressure. He was pretty mobile, so he was able to make plays outside of the pocket. But since his knee injury, I've been less confident in his abilities. But I can say that he's not the kind of quarterback that you would want for a rebuild because, like you said, consider what he was able to do with the Saints when Drew Brees was getting rested. They were five and zero with him mm-hmm. as a starter. And at this point, he's he played not
0: the caliber, well. caliber QB. He, he played well. Yeah, he, he did, he did. But he's also not the kind of caliber QB that I think can really get you to 13 and screen a
4: full season, especially with the supporting mm. cast that the Panthers have. No. But like I said, he's also not the kind of QB that, he, that can get you to, say, over 16 or 2 and 14. And Carolina is trying to rebuild this point. Perhaps they're trying to tank for Trevor Lawrence, or maybe they're just really this confident in Teddy Bridgewater. But right now, they have a quarterback that, Essentially, get we'll get them to either five eleven or
0: seven to nine. I I linked them to Trevor Lawrence in the beginning of the show because I said you have Matt Rule and Joe Brady that are just coming out of college that saw Matt Trevor Lawrence up close. If anybody's gonna know him in the NFL right now, it's gonna be those guys, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, you look at the situation. Maybe not that high on the quarterbacks coming out. Two has been banged up. You don't know what what's up with him. Teddy, I mean, you you uh, yeah. It, I mean, they're obviously rebuilding, so. He's not gonna take you to a wild card. He if the team was up to par he could. Uh but yeah. yeah, this to me is just like Teddy, do this for now and hopefully we'll get a chance to get Trevor Lawrence next year.
4: Yeah, it's just like they have whole, they have holes in the secondary that they need to address. There's still holes in the offensive line. Uh
2: See, they, oh they yeah, that Russell. Them.
0: I don't understand why. I mean, I understand trading Jay Turner if you want to get a draft pick, but Russell Okun. Yeah, like it
4: was. Yeah, it was a player for player trade, and it was like an older guy too, which makes really no sense. Like, like he ne- he never really was all that great. No, with the char well, yeah with the Chargers. I I, I I don't know. Like like that. Like the left, I understand the left tackle position has been like an absolute cesspool. In 2019. Right,
0: I understand they need to address it. That that's a competitive move. You think if you want to go get him?
4: Yeah, I don't know. They should have at the very least gotten like a draft pick out of
0: it. Yeah, I I mean a lot of people are, are like, well, you know, Turner's been injured. His plays fell off the last couple of years. But I mean, we know what he is when he's healthy, and we know what the tech, we know the Panthers' offensive line has been struggling as a whole entire unit. So it's going to affect everybody's play around you. I I, I think they gave away him to San Diego, I mean, uh, to Los Angeles and now he's going to be, I mean, the Chargers still have some work to do on their offensive line, but, uh, and quarterback. Yeah, yeah, they can't go into Tyrod. They cannot (laughs) go into the season starting Tyrod. I mean, to me, they're getting Justin Herbert. I I think where there's smoke, there's fire there. I think the Tua is going to be in Miami. To me, when Miami's making all these moves right now, they're going ahead and saying, okay, we're going to probably use some draft picks to trade up so we can Secure to a, uh. Yeah. But phew, crazy stuff. Didn't see it coming. So, anyway, so you're big on Stephon Diggs and I am too. I, so you say that he's top five route runner. I would argue he's top three, to be honest with you. I think him, Devontae Adams, and Amari Cooper are in a class of their own when it comes to route running. Uh, Josh Allen's deep ball accuracy is... It's not good. He could get the ball downfield, but I mean, oh, Diggs okay. better work on his catch radius because this is gonna be a lot of people love it, and I get it. They were the Vikings took him for a ride, to be honest with you, because of their desperation for a wide receiver one. But because I wouldn't give up more than a second and a fourth for Diggs personally, especially with the <laughs> attitude he's showing. Because I mean, he's, he's you think he gets tired of Kirk? Wait till he gets with Josh Allen. Yeah, I give that two years. I give that two years until he starts complaining again. But, I mean...
4: that two. I, I
0: think it'd be one. It, it might. I mean, he, certainly, he didn't go to practice. And they got a first-round pick for him. I mean, I get it. Buffalo really needs the wide receiver one. And I've seen teams do some desperate things for wide receiver ones. But it, you could do worse than Diggs, obviously, honestly. But, again, like, it, I don't like the fit. I don't like the fit. I thought that New England should have went all in on this one, made it work, and try to get Tom to come back, which is a whole different whole different topic. But, uh, yeah, so what are you thinking? I mean, you know, you love Diggs as much as I do. What are you thinking with this? Well, First up, I want to talk about what this
4: means for the skilled players in the Bills' offense. Personally, the Bills are one of the more interesting teams, in my opinion, going into the 2020 season for better or for worse. Kind, kind of for better, kind of for better with the cast they have. Their defense is loaded with talent and depth. And now you have, you you, you give your young, kind of inexperienced quarterback going into his third season. You give him a supporting cast consisting of arguably the league's best route runner, maybe top three, top five, like you said.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, and Stephon Diggs, who's also paired up with John Brown, Cole Beasley, Devin Singletary, Dawson Knox, who was pretty good in his rookie season, this tight end. And uh, you have other guys, like Robert Foster and Duke Williams, who are kind of intriguing as well. So there's plenty of talent from Josh Allen, which, of course, leads me to him. He's a very physically gifted quarterback with an incredible arm, incredible mobility, and if he ever develops the foundation of his accuracy and keeps himself from having the decision-making of, say, James Winston pre-lasic surgery, he has a lot of potential, think, in my opinion. But those two things, especially his accuracy, are really holding him back, and that... Uh, that could hold back digs too. And look, I've never really been a big fan of Kirk Cousins, but he like he's 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 been more accurate to digs than Allen has been to any of his receivers, which I mean, I, I guess makes sense in like since Allen really hasn't had the kind of caliber receiver as Diggs, but Brown has been a little close and he's been missing him a lot. But fortunately for Alan Diggs, like like does have an incredible ball skills, he has incredible catching, uh, incredible catch radius. He's also one of the league's premier vertical thrust. He can pretty much dominate from any area of the field because of his work against press and man coverage. He's been unbelievable with his quick hit turns, head fakes, and abating corners, so I expect to see the same for him in Buffalo. But, I mean, yeah, I I I, I do agree that this, to the, like, I don't know, like this has a chance It's not really working out because of Allen's accuracy issues, but if he ever, like, Takes any step forward, in you three.
0: Thakur said it. Oh, it's hard for me to believe it though, because I mean, he has the tools, like you said. I get that. We all we all understood that he had the tools to be a first round quarterback. But you look at Wyoming. I mean, he was stupid and careless with the ball then. Nothing's changed now. I don't. I don't think you're gonna get that at this point. I think he is what he is. So it's tough. It's tough. Ah. Uh,
4: I mean, I. I still think they can make the playoffs regardless. Oh, yeah, especially now. They have so much talent on that team. And, like, really, the roster feels too
0: good not to. But he's not a quarterback. I mean, again, we've seen Trent Dilfer. We've seen Nick Foles. We've seen Joe Flacco win Super Bowls. But, I mean, uh, unless his defense really, like, I know it's an elite defense, but unless it really has, like, those two-star guys that you can, like, lean on, I don't see him winning a Super Bowl. He doesn't have the decision making enough to win a Super Bowl. I you can't manage a game with this guy when he has a rocket arm and he likes to throw it downfield. He's gonna whip it or he's gonna run. I don't yeah, know. I agree. It's it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, but they can easily go to the playoffs, especially now. And I I, I like Bills fans are gonna be like, oh, because they they hate when people hate oh, on yeah. Josh Allen. But oh yeah, look at him I in was, Wyoming. I'm, I'm, I haven't seen much progress I'm, from him from Wyoming to now. I haven't seen that
4: much. I mean, I I will say like the like these bills give me like vibes of the 2017 Jaguars, the 2018 Bears for reasons like an, like an absolute elite defense, but a quarterback that could hold them back. I think I think Allen's more talented than a guy like Trubisky. Or, oh yeah,
0: absolutely, uh, I agree. Yeah,
4: yeah, Bortles it's a, certainly certainly Bortles at this point, mm-hmm. but I I don't know if that's really saying much.
0: It's not, but I mean, yeah, y you're right. They no. they could the defense could really take that in place. And then not only that, it doesn't Signal Terry, I think, is gonna make a jump this year. So they're gonna have a running game too. Uh, yeah, it's just gonna be an interesting interesting pairing there. Now, uh, I, we talked about Marty Cooper being a great route runner. Do you would you pay him twenty million per year? Uh
4: maybe. Maybe. It, 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 like, like it would depend on the, like the kind of guarantees that he's getting. because because he, he's getting like twenty million in like every season for the next five years, which is a lot. But, like, but then, but then again, Jerry Jones promised he'd keep like the trio of, of Dak and Zeke and Amari. Like, we all didn't think he would after like, like like how long it took, but somehow he did. But I mean, like, I I can understand like like why teams like the Eagles or Dolphins or whatever like pro- probably probably weren't like uh, keen on paying Cooper all that money because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's not really uh, uh, it's not, it's not you
0: move. to me Cowboys had no choice so I get it especially since the Redskins were ready to make that offer and pay him a oh, little God. bit more too but especially with Dak I mean before, that would have been amazing if he leaves in free agency Let's just Play devil's advocate If he leaves in free agency Dak's gonna be like Well nah I need more money Yeah I mean Gallup is good I think a lot of people Are sleeping on Michael Gallup Michael Gallup has a chance To eventually become Their their best wide receiver But I mean You lose Cooper To me You lose Pretty much Any leverage with Dak At all Yeah so I, I get why they brought him back, but that is one hell of a price tag for a guy that you pulled in the most pivotal game of your season at the end of a drive for and Austin. on yeah, Austin. That, that made no
4: sense. No,
0: it, it's, it, it's interesting. But uh, from your coverage with the Panthers, your coverage with the 49ers, two defensive players I want to talk about making their changes to their teams, and then we'll get into your deep ball project. You, James Bradbury with the Giants, what are, what are our thoughts on that? Well, I, to be honest, I was a little higher on him uh, in the first half of
4: the 2019 season. I thought he was really good, sometimes outstanding in coverage. He, like, uh, he did have a uh, kind of decline in the second half of the season, but essentially that entire defense did. So... Uh, Having 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 said that, uh, reuniting with a guy that drafted him in the first place, Dave Yellman, mm-hmm. uh I think is I think is going to be a, a pretty good move for the Giants' secondary, especially since they already have uh, uh, it's De- DeAndre Baker's there, right?
0: Yeah, DeAndre Baker's there. Nice yeah, yeah, they have DeAndre
4: Baker. They they also got uh, Blake Martinez, who kind of isn't really all that good, but he's probably a guy that I would prefer he- a guy like.
0: To I be fair to Giants fans, noisy. to be fair to Giants fans, he's better than not Golden Tree for sure. So, just yeah. to be fair. But, yeah, uh, to me, Bradbury looked like a lost cause and a huge liability in zone, but then when you get impressed, you're like, okay, I would want to sign that guy. Because I was watching him, because yeah. I'm thinking the Eagles were in the cornerback market most... I was The quarterback market was interesting to even monitor in the first place, but... I look at him, I'm like, alright, that's definitely a guy I would be way comfortable with jamming the number one wide receiver and and hitting him in press, but when he's in zone, I'm like, oh no, I cannot pay him this top money because he's not a complete corner. What are you thinking?
4: Yeah, I I think there's truth to what you're saying. I think like, maybe my, my theory is like maybe like the reason he struggled a little
2: more like as the season progressed like he probably faced like low more zone coverage not as mm-hmm. much man or press
4: and of course he like he, was, he he was in the division that consisted of receivers like Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley so it's like like it's like he, like he was facing like a murderers row of receivers too but Seriously. also at the same time like like his, like his kind of like his regression uh, when the season ended, like made it pretty clear that he was not really worth the price tag that he wanted from the Panthers.
0: Right, I agree. Uh, I mean if they play him in the press in New York, I can see the contract actually working out and he is young enough to prove that deal from the most of the years of it. But I mean fifteen million is a lot, but it is the corner market and we saw what Byron Jones got. Uh, oh my God. I mean the Giants defense is just that bad. Was really just that bad, where they had to just go ahead and get these guys. Because I mean, even Blake Martinez, who I've been very critical of, because he's really porous in coverage as a linebacker. He is a good run stuffer, and I know that's what Gettleman loves in his middle linebackers. But Uh, I mean, he's better than Ogletree, (laughs) I guess. He is.
4: I mean, to be to be like to be fair, like a lot of people are better than.
0: Overtrance. Yeah, they really are. That was really poor of so them to start in that long. And when I saw how much they were paying, and 2 I'm like, oh god. Anyways,
4: yeah, that was pretty
0: brutal. I'm, I'm glad because he, he's a top free agent, sorry, So I'm glad to hear your thoughts on James Bradley. But the the trade of the Forest Buckner, I think, kind of caught it, it when when you get time to digest it, it makes more sense. But and yeah. in, initially, it caught everybody off guard, and I mean. Once I had time to digest it, I'm like, "Wow, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are—they're gonna build something long term here." Oh yeah, I mean that's—they oh, yeah. maximized his. I mean, DeForest Buckner, don't get me wrong, is definitely a top five defensive tackle, but easily uh, the 13th pick is great value for him. And, and his price demands were too high. You can—you thought you can get Armstead for cheap? Well, you did. You got Armstead for cheaper. I mean, you already have Nick Bosa. You already have D Ford. I, I, it's an added luxury at this point. But to get the 13th pick, I mean, now you're in the market for adding a wide receiver like a Judy or maybe even a Lamb. Now that Arizona got DeAndre Hopkins, uh, I, I mean, you you like what the the Forty are doing over there with what they're building? Well, I already thought
4: that the Forty ers defense was going to regress a little bit in 2020. It's not necessarily because of, uh, like, like like anything bad coming. Like, it, it's just hard not to see that, considering it's so rare for a sensational defense to stay sensational. Of course, the obvious exception was in the Seahawks' defenses from 2012 to 2015 to to boom. Mm-hmm. Now the Legion of Boom. Now that Buckner is gone, that leaves a pretty big hole in the defensive interior. And as far as... Uh, as far as defense goes, San Francisco is still fine. They still have Nick Bosa. They still have Arik Armstead, who they just extended. And I personally thought that they were going to let Armstead walk and they were going to pay Buckner. So yeah, they, that's like, what I so, thought. Yeah, 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 this 180 was kind of a surprise to me. Uh, still D Ford. They have Quan Alexander, Fred Warner, Emmanuel Mosley, Richard Sherman, Drake, etc. So that defense is still completely fine. But now on the defense side, consists of guys like solomon thomas who's been a bust at this point and mm-hmm. dj jones and that's nowhere near comparable to a guy like buckner who was a consistent pass disruptor up front and so, so some have suspected that, that they've gotten the 13th overall pick to uh draft a wide receiver so maybe it's a sacrifice for the greater good but uh then again if garoppolo hits that throw to sanders in the super bowl we might not be talking about this mm-hmm. in my opinion yeah because yeah. <laughs> that yeah that that was a pretty big throw um, as for the Colts, this is huge for them. They get arguably a top-five defensive tackle, top-five interior pass rusher, which is exactly what they needed since that pass rush was supposed to take a big step in 2019, but never really took the giant step needed to uh, press forward. This should help fasten that progress this season. Buckner has... Personally, like like what I, what I think like is a quick burst off the line of scrimmage for a defensive mm. tackle, and uh, his arms are huge. His arms are like his arms are like tentacle like and. Oh, oh my God! That helps him out with getting past double coverage and winning one-on-one matchups. And he's just like he's so dangerous as a pass rusher, and that's going to help a, a group of guys like Kimoko Toure, Denico Autry, and especially Justin Houston, who still has a little left in the tank. Mm-hmm. So that's a solid group. Yeah, that's a solid group on the defensive line right now. Uh, and who knows if Phil Rivers still has some left as well behind a better offensive line than the one he, uh, he had in Los Angeles, but that's a different discussion. I'm just really excited to see how, the, how well this defense, particularly this defensive line, plays with Buckner.
0: Oh, yeah. they're. I mean, he's an anchor. He really is. He's going to have the chance to really show everybody what he, what he really is without everybody else around him. But, I mean, if you look at Buckner, you think he's like an, in, in the same mode as Aaron, Aaron, uh, Aaron Donald, to be honest with you. Uh I love Buckner's game. I think it's a huge gift for the Colts. I completely understand going all in. Because their the roster is constructed to win now. Because a lot of people, were, including myself, were pegging a quarterback for them at 13. But, I mean, when you look around top to bottom, they do have a roster they can win now with. And when you get Phillip Rivers with a better line, they can't compete. But like you said, different oh. discussion for a different day. But, yeah, go ahead. Expand that.
4: How, 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 how much are they paying him?
0: Oh. <sighs> My like, guy. Uh, I think he got sixty. I want to say he got sixty-eight guaranteed.
4: Sixty. I got Hold on. Oh, let me do a fact check real quick. Yeah,
0: I'm trying to fact check this too. Contract. It was. It was. It was. It was like a one year. Oh no, Philip Rivers. Sorry, I thought you meant Buck there. No, he got twenty-five million. Oh no, 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 no. no. He got one year, twenty-five yeah, million. Yeah,
4: what? yeah that, that's that's kind of a lot. Oh, geez. Uh, Todd Gurley. Yeah, yeah, I
0: just got that matchup. Todd Gurley released just, for the Rams right now. Yep, as we're looking up randomless yeah, that's, contracts. That's crazy. I mean, no, nah, I expected it to be honest. No, I don't think somebody's gonna trade for him same. with that contract and those knees. I no, I don't know. And now he's gonna go sign with the Bucks, though.
4: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think the Bucks are gonna sign him
0: now. It's like, Melvin Gordon. It, it, it. Melvin Gordon's delusional. <laughs> he overplayed his market twice now. Twice. That's what Mark... Oh, yeah, no,
4: Austin, Austin is even good now, though.
0: Yeah, I know, and honestly, better fit for Anthony Lynn, if you ask me. But Just saying. But, uh, yeah, cause, I mean, either it's going to be Melvin Gordon or Todd Gurley, but I see it being Todd Gurley because at this point, dudes, Tom Brady. <laughs> it's Mike Evans. It's yeah, Chris Godwin. If, if the Bucks can land an offensive tackle, they're set in this draft. Yeah, this
4: is... Kind of like when LeBron came back to the Cavs in 2014. Like, e- like everyone wants to play at Brady now, even though he's going to be, like, 43 years old. So,
0: uh, I trust him in the Bruce Arian system, though, I'll tell you that.
4: Yeah, the, like, that. that's that's kind of my reservation with uh, the Brady signing, because, uh, I don't know, he's, like, at, at this age, I don't, I don't know if he can, like, play behind that offensive line, like, especially in that system that Arians has, which is like a traditional drop back system that encourages deep throws. Like like that's gonna get him killed. It got Winston killed for a while. It, it got Carson Palmer killed. It got Ben Roethlisberger killed when uh Aaron, Aaron was the offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. I mean it, it like don't get me wrong, it worked. But it's it's also not a very friendly system where like it's it's gonna prevent you from Getting hit by your offensive line constantly, and considering the box offensive line is, uh
2: very spoiler, not very not very good, no. pretty bad. Uh, I don't know, like it's like
4: I, I have my reservations. This like obviously Brady's going to get a better, better receiving course than the one he had in New England. But talk about a guy talk about a guy
0: who I mean talk about a guy who really believes in his nutrition program though. Yeah, yeah, he he thinks he's untouchable and he won't get hurt. Well, uh I mean. I was I, I was joking with everybody beginning of the year that I would never draft OJ Howard again in fantasy, and now I'm like I will definitely draft OJ Howard in fantasy this year. Yeah,
4: Brady. Brady loves his tight ends. Cameron, Brady,
3: OJ Howard.
0: OJ Howard is That's definitely because a, a lot of when you look at what's going wrong with OJ Howard, you pull up his All 22. Winston wasn't really getting him in the spots where he needed to hit him either. Like he always had to make adjustments so towards the ball. looked like and it really hurt. Because, I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot better OJ Howard from now on. We'll see, though. But let's get into the deep ball project, my man, because I, th- I think a lot of people don't really quite grasp it. Because they look at, like, let's, let's for instance, because I know the Eagles fan base got on you one year. So this is just like a thing off <laughs> the top of my head. But Sam Bradford with the Vikings was ranked really high. Wentz was really low. A lot of people didn't get it. Because it's not you saying I think a lot of people misconstrue stuff on Twitter is like hell oh, this guy had better numbers is what you so you're saying he's better that's not what yeah. it is but let's just give the people an explanation let because I know a lot of people that listen are football fans but not like to this extent so giving the give them a better understanding would would be great and I would love to hear it
4: so the deep ball project, for those that don't know, takes a look at all throws of 21-plus air yards past the line of scrimmage, excluding throwaways, excluding balls tipped at the line of scrimmage, quarterback wide receiver miscommunications, and plays that are nullified by offensive or defensive penalties. It tracks yards, touchdowns, interceptions, air yards, and yards out of the catch, but the primary all looks at accuracy percentage, and I stress... That term, accuracy percentage, because it's different from completion percentage. Accuracy percentage looks at the accuracy of a quarterback down the field, regardless if the ball is caught or not. So that differs from completion percentage, where it just
2: looks at every pass that's caught. Straight up drops, some failures failures at the catch point, some
4: Hail Marys and plays where the receiver could have, but did not get two feet inbounds are what I like to call accurate incompletions, which are rewarded to the quarterback's average percentage. And you mentioned Carson Wentz, for example, and he had the most inaccurate, or excuse me, accurate incompletions with 12 of them. Uh, 11 of them were kind of were straight up drops or plays where they could could have gotten in balance but didn't. And the other one was a Hail Mary, which I'm pretty generous towards. So I counted that as accurate incompletion for him. Uh, his completion percentage was like just barely over thirty one percent, but if you t- but if you look at his accuracy percentage, like 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 it was ninth in uh, the 2019-2020 depot project, and that's because of how many drops the Eagles receivers had. And looking at the season, like if, like it really opened up like, like how screwed he got by his wide receivers. I, obviously, Ertz and Goddard uh, and also Miles Sanders helped him out a bit, but he had he had guys like uh, a washed Alshon Jeffrey uh Nelson Aguilar who can't catch anything mm. for his life yeah so he like, he's <laughs> gone for sure uh,
2: like, Greg, Greg Ward
4: was his best wide receiver for a while and yeah it's it's Greg Ward like Deshaun Jackson was there for like what a game he, yeah. was, he was sensational about that game like in, the, in that game he had like 200 yards and two touchdowns but that was it like he wasn't available then so Wentz really got once really got a raw deal from his receivers, and as a result, his accuracy percentage spiked as in, like in comparison to his completion percentage. And uh, plays where the receiver was forced to make an unnecessary uh, adjustment are the exact opposite of uh, what I like to call inaccurate completions. And that docs the quarterback's accuracy percentage, regardless of the pass is caught not. Not too many, not like not too many uh, inaccurate completions in this. Uh, Deep ball project, I think the highest was like three. It was like either Derek Carr, I think, had the highest, but that, that was essentially, it was just only a few. So for the 2019-20 edition of the Deep Ball Project, I had the typical distances of measurement, like 21 to 25 yards, 26-30 yards, 31 to 35 yards, 36-40 yards, and 41-plus carry yards. Areas of the field, such as throwing to the left, middle, and right, situations that the quarterback might find himself in, such as throwing in clean pockets, under pressure, Throwing under interior and edge pressure, in or outside pocket, in the pocket, shotgun, under center, and to open or tight windows. So, uh, no metric is going to be perfect, but I added all of these to provide a little more context for ex- how exactly quarterbacks fare in each of these situations, and most of it is pretty self explanatory, too.
0: So, I'm glad you mentioned Carson Wentz because I have always been a Carson Wentz truther since the 2016 draft before he was even on the Eagles. I loved it at North Dakota State. I, but I would, I was honest about what his flaws are, and I know you got killed for it earlier when he was a rookie. But he, no, he, he's his deep ball accuracy. Yeah, no, it's improved because it was bad. He threw a very wobbly, somewhat inaccurate. Sometimes they're accurate. Sometimes it was just like, where is he throwing at? Type of deep ball, but. I keep seeing improvement each year. I think when he had Torrey Smith in 2017, that was somebody he could finally understand what speed was. So his balls were starting to get better then. And then 2018, that was was rough. They didn't have anybody like that, and then he got hurt. And then you look at 2019, he had Deshaun Jackson for a game. But, I mean, that game, he was dropping darts right right to him. So, and like you said, you saw in your project when you made it, that you saw that he was doing most passes down the field and the wide receivers would just drop him. Uh, God, get this guy a deep threat.
2: That's all I gotta say
0: because he does. He he's improved a lot. I think it's the offense that holds him back from showing that improvement. Uh, if they can go ahead and get trade up and get one of these like a CD Lamb or a Henry Ruggs, I mean even Judy would fit too. But I would prefer the first two.
4: Ju- Ju- Judy Judy is my favorite personally. If like if, if 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 they can somehow get him, I like I I don't, I don't know if they can get him. But but like if if he's if he's somehow there like like that's gonna boost that receiving corpse immediately because I think he's gonna be an immediate playmaker. I also thought JJ
0: like Arcega-Whiteside was gonna be like a lot better than his rookie season. So did sure. everybody. So did everybody else. <laughs> like, that, that was so disappointing. Like like those receivers were so bad.
4: And yet he barely saw the field. Like I just don't understand. Like 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 maybe maybe he had like flaws that, like. I didn't really see when I watched his team because I was actually like really impressed by what
0: he was doing. So the rumors about him were he looked he was not picking up the offense in practice. That's uh, just from what I've heard is that he did not look good in practice to go ahead and start him. But he was forced out there, and yeah, he, I expected more. He looked good at Stanford. I think everybody did. I mean, he was, he was picked before DK yeah. Metcalf. I mean, his contested catches at Stanford were nice, but... Uh, I don't. Know. I'm not not confident in him going forward because he looked that bad.
4: Yeah, that's
2: kind of, that's kind of a testament
4: to how uh, impressive of a stretch once had at the end of the season. like he like he had to carry that that receiving corpse. He had he had to carry a a god awful secondary that was consistently getting burned. And uh, I I I understand like like his last four games he faced the NFC East, but like you're like you're not guaranteed. You're not really guaranteed those wins, especially with the receiving corpse that he had. So like like he he definitely put together like personally like what I think is his most impressive stretch of football like considering the circumstances that he had like like he really put the team on his back and got him in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, if you take if you take stats out of it, and you're not looking at numbers. That was his best season as a pro. Absolutely, Certainly his best,
4: like, best four game stretch for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean I know 2017 how great he looked, but I, I mean when you when you take into factor what he had around him. That was his best season as a pro, in my opinion. But oh yeah, again, Johnny, I really appreciate you coming on. It was a great discussion, man. We took up forty minutes, of course. We could just talk football forever. Uh, let everybody know where to find you on Twitter, and let's get this deep ball project out there working. I think it's fascinating.
4: Yeah, you, you can uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Burkwall Blitz. Uh, follow me there if you want. If not <laughs>
2: that's
4: also fine. But uh, just put it out there uh Brickwall Bliss is my uh my handle on Twitter. Whole lot of stuff to
0: unpack in this episode, whole lot of free agency to go through. We cannot really discuss it. We can sit here and discuss this for six hours, folks. Oh easy. There's so much to unpack. But We try to get as much as we can get out there and discuss as much as we can discuss. Hope you enjoyed our episode. And, you know, it's looking a little long again, Kyle. It looks like we might be closer to another two hours. It's going to be fun.
1: There's a lot to talk about. And uh, you guys can continue the conversation with us on the Twitter machine. You can follow Connor on Twitter at MilesSheet. That's M Y L E S. You can follow me on Twitter at k b i z z l three one one, and you can follow the pod on Twitter at another fb pod. And make sure you guys subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you leave those five star ratings and reviews. Keep them coming. Uh, we want to know what you want to hear about. You know, drop them in your podcast review. Uh, we're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Anchor. All that good stuff. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and uh, we're keeping the content coming. It ain't going anywhere.
0: Hey, Lee, hey, give us feedback. I'm, I'm not. I answer everybody on Twitter. I try to. Go ahead, say, We are open books. I, I, don't mind doing a mailbag on this show. We I can make
1: mind. it happen. Let us know if,
0: if you want to ask questions, if you want to be part of the show, let us know. I'm very open. This is going to be a very interactive football podcast, but I appreciate you guys tuning in. We try to go over everything. We got again Teron Davenport from ESPN covers the Tennessee Titans on. We got Johnny Kinsley on for a show at Brickwall Blitz. You also got Mark Schofield on with us uh at Mark Schofield on Twitter. Jam-packed episode in for you guys. Hope you enjoy it. Again We love the feedback we've gotten so far. Hope to continue it. Five-star reviews and subscribe.
1: Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll catch you on the next episode.
0: Can't wait.